the next segment kicks off with me showing off that I know a couple of emperors' names. Another one I know is Lalabella. Yeah, he's another one I know. I'm very educated now, and he's the one that um, ordered the construction of Lalabella, the famous uh, ch- complex of churches, stone rock-hewn churches. So famous, that I didn't even know. I didn't even know they were there until someone told me um, only a couple of years ago. Maybe three. Maybe four. Maybe three. Okay, so the famous rock-hewn churches of Lalabella, um, the Emperor Lalabella, yeah, um, got on his iPhone and rang the angels and said, this is a big job, can you come and help too? So that's another emperor. These, and now I would lay odds that all these emperors are listed as emperors of Ethiopia. If you went into, for example, the Wikipedia site on Ethiopia. I don't know if they're there or not, but they might be. Right. Now, um, another one that I know is Tedros. Yeah. T-E-W I think it's E-D-R-O-S or O. Tuodros? Tuodros? No, Tuodros. Right. Tedros. Um, and he, um, came from a place called Gondar in Ethiopia. No, it wasn't, <laughs> because there was no Ethiopia back then, you know. Well, yeah, but there was, you know, because Ethiopia is like what we call now the collection of all the component parts that make up Ethiopia today. We call all of that Ethiopia, and that's how we get to say that Lalabella was built in Ethiopia, even though it wasn't, you know, because they didn't call it Ethiopia then. Right. Um, and Tedros comes from a place called Gondar, uh, so... He um, he comes from Gondar, and you can't say he came from Amhara, even though Amhara is, you know, nowadays the uh, yeah Gondar is part of the group of places that is included in an uh, an area called um, Amhara. Can't do that. Can't call it Amhara. Or can I call it Ethiopia? Can I say he was Ethiopian? Yes, but I can't call him Amharan. No. That doesn't make sense, you know. Um, look, Tedros. If you if you looked up the Wikipedia page for Gondar, it'd probably have his name as one of the famous emperors of Gondar. And if you looked up the Wikipedia page on Amhara, I actually did that once. Um, and who were the famous emperors of Amhara? You know, what the collection of joints we call Amhara. Well, he's there too. And if you look up the famous emperors of Ethiopia, he's there too. You can belong to one, more than one group at once, you know, because it's the, it's category, subcategory, and sub-subcategory. All right. Now, um, who else do I know? There's another one called Johannes. I know him. And Menelik II. Okay. Uh, now, those two guys, um, Johannes is um, Tigrayan. Uh, that's a group up north. An emperor, a famous emperor from Tigray. So if you looked up Tigray, he would be listed as um, that. 
an emperor of that. Now, Tigre apparently, I think, is not part of a, an, um, a subcategory. So it goes Tigre is part of Ethiopia, you know, but with Gondar, you've got three steps. You've got Gondar is part of uh, um, Amhara, which is part of Ethiopia, you know. But just because you're a subcategory, in a, uh, look, if you can't say you're from Amhara, you can't say you're from Ethiopia. If you can't say, and this is, I may be wrong, but this is how it looks to me, if you can't say that Tedros was an emperor of, or Lullabella, you know, no, sorry, emperor, sorry, if you can't say that Tedros was an emperor of Amhara, then I suppose you can't say that Tedros was an emperor of Ethiopia. I don't know if you're allowed to have it both ways or not. Ah, now, um, look, Amhara is a collective term for a group of people around the centre of Ethiopia, as far as I can see. And Ethiopia is a collective term for all the people of in modern-day Ethiopia. All right. Okay. Is there no such thing as Ethiopia? Is there no such thing as Amhara? Well, if you are the sort of person who uh, declares that you are allowed to identify yourself only in the singular and not in the collective, um, you know, that historical people are allowed to be um, uh, referred to in, the, in, in terms of where they belonged back in their own time, um, then I suppose you can say Tedros wasn't an Amharam because there was no Amhara, and Tedros wasn't an Ethiopia, wasn't an Ethiopian because there was no, you know, place called Ethiopia, declared place called Ethiopia, as far as I know. And if, if not Tedros, then go back to Lalabella, you know. There was no place called Ethiopia per se that has any relationship to modern-day Ethiopia. Right, now, um, and, and an analogy that I thought of was Greece. Now, the Greeks today... They have this idea of a thing called Greece. They have this thing called, an idea of this thing called Greece. And some of the people who uh, are Greeks in history include Archimedes, who was actually from Sicily, physically. You know, but modern Greeks, you ask anybody, Archimedes, what was he? He's Greek, all right? Ah, but he came from Sicily. He had, if he went back in time, he wouldn't, he wouldn't even know what the word Greek was. Okay. And then you had Pythagoras, another famous Greek. Aha! But he wasn't in Greece. He was in Italy. He, he lived in Italy. You know, because Greece actually... Well, there was no such thing as Greece. But Greek-speaking people, you know, like Amharan-speaking people. Greek-speaking people. Um, Hellenic people, yeah, as you might call them. You know, culturally, with cultural similarities, they um, had colonised Sicily and had colonised southern Italy. And so you get this situation, this, um, uh, that uh, Archimedes lived his whole life in Sicily. Long way from modern Greece. You have this uh, Pythagoras lived in northern Italy. Uh, sorry, southern Italy. Yeah. Maybe Calabria or something. I don't know where it is. You know, modern-day Calabria. 
the whole of South Italy was Greek back then. Well, no, it wasn't. There was no such, such thing as Greece. See, what's in a name? You know, you can use it, a, a word. Is, it's just a collective term. Like duck, you know, refers to mallards and teals and black ducks and blacks, you know. All that sort of stuff, you know. Um, okay, it's just a collective term. Now, so the word Amhara is a collective term for all the groups that make up modern Amhara, you know. Now, back in time, yes, you can say Socrates. Well, he wasn't from Greece. He was from Athens, you know. And Leonidas, he was not from Greece. He was Spartan. He was from Sparta. He can't say he was Greek. He's not Greek. He's Spartan. There's no such thing as Greece back then. What the hell are you doing saying Socrates? And you get Alexander, who was from Macedonia. He wasn't from Greece. He fought the Greeks. What? What do you mean fought the Greeks? Well, it depends how you define it, you know what I mean? But a lot of people say that. Alexander, you know, Macedonians versus the Greeks. Does that make any sense? When Alexander was a Greek? Well, he spoke Greek. You know, in the same way that, you know, people we today call Amharans in Ethiopia. And we call them Amharans because they speak Amharan and they've got some other cultural similarities. You know, like you had um, Alexander, spoke Greek. People call him Greek now. His teacher, you know, was Aristotle from Athens. You know, so there's this super strong connection. Yeah, I, I, I sometimes think of um, Macedonia as kind of um, a country hick town here in Victoria, Australia, where I live. And Athens was like Melbourne, you know, and Sparta was like Geelong. You know, something like that. But the point is, all Greek. Well, no, they weren't. Well, yes, they were. It depends how you want to define the word. You're free to call them Greeks if that's how you want to categorise them. Okay. So, we've got all these people from completely different places who are not allowed to call themselves Greek if Amharans aren't allowed to call themselves Amharan. There's no way you can call Socrates a Greek because he was from Athens. And there's no way you could call Archimedes a Greek, you know, because he's from Sicily. And there's no way you could call Pythagoras a Greek, because he was from South Italy. Um, and there's no way you could call Alexander a Greek, because he was from Macedonia. Okay? Can't do it. And yet people do. And this is where it gets fun, because they're allowed to... You can't stop them, and legitimate? Well, you know, I suppose it becomes a democracy then. If enough people agree that we can call all those guys Greeks, then there is such a thing as Greece in history, ancient Greece. There is a term called ancient Greece. Should that be banned? If the answer is no, then how are you going to ban the word ancient Amhara? You know, Amhara in Ethiopia, which is analogous as far as I can see, um, yeah, bound by language and certain cultural, you know, connections and all that sort of stuff, like the ancient Greeks were, even though they were in different places. Sicily, North, uh, South Italy, uh, Macedonia, Athens, Sparta, yeah, and then there's other places I haven't even mentioned, you know, Cyprus and all those sorts of places, you know, um, the Cypriots, you know. Um, okay, um, now... It becomes your choice. You're free to deny that there, that um, these people were that ancient Greece exists. You're free to refer to the phrase ancient Greece as an oxymoron. No such thing. Oh no, that's not an oxymoron. 
sorry. But, you know, you can say um, ancient Greece, no such thing, you know, because there wasn't a Greece back then. These were all independent, or not, you know, semi-independent states, you know. Um, well, they were independent enough, independent enough you know. Um, and they used to go to war against each other. Athens used to go to war against Sparta. How can you call them the same thing in the same place? How can you say Leonidas yeah, and Socrates and Plato and all those guys are all from the same place when they saw themselves as enemies from time to time? You know? um, how can you say they're all the same thing? Yeah, because they were different, you know. They were different. But in other ways, they were the same. You know what I mean? So here's the wonderful thing. You get your choice. You can deny the existence of ancient Greece. You know, and say, well, no, there was no such thing as ancient Greece. There was only its component parts. Right? No such thing. Um, I had someone say to me recently, there's no such thing as Western culture. There's only its component parts. You know, and you sort of say, well, uh, all right. And yet, there's a Wikipedia page called Western Culture. Should we uh, scrub that? Well, you get your choice. You get to say loudly, if you feel like, at a party, there is no such thing as Western Culture, and you can launch a really good argument for that. You know, you can say there's only, there's New Zealand culture, there's Australian culture, there's, you know, German culture, there's English culture, there's Italian culture, there's Greek culture, there's, you know, French culture and all that sort of stuff, but there's no such thing as Western culture. You know, and someone else at the table says, yes, but Western culture is what those, all those groups have got in common, and we call that Western culture. We know they've got differences between them. We know, you know, that French sounds a little bit more romantic than English, and a lot more romantic than German, and yes, they are different, you know. Um, you know, but great Western leaders of the past include Napoleon and William the Conqueror, even though they were from different places, you know. Um, but if you look up Western civil, you know, the great heroes, you know, great heroes of Western culture, you know, you might get Alexander the Great, Julius Caesar in there, Napoleon and William the Conqueror, all in there, but they're all from different places. And you can, and you might say, that, that should not, they should not be included as Western leaders, you know, Western heroes or whatever. You know, they should not be called that. You know. um, they should be called, they, I, I refuse to rise higher than subcategory. You know, like local, local sort of tribal groups. There is no such thing as a culture except at the basic level. You know, whereas the person at the table saying there is such a thing as Western culture, he's saying Western culture is um, that which all those subcultures have in common. You know, Western ideals and all that sort of stuff. You know, they all look back at ancient Greece and ancient Rome for their inspiration and all that sort of stuff. Government systems and all this sort of thing. You know, they all have something in common. You know. Um, you know, kind of European, you know. Um, and you say, no such thing as Western culture. And you can launch an argument to argue that there is no such thing as Western culture. But, you know, it's quite possible the rest of the table will just say, well, 
we disagree, we are defining Western culture as whether you like it or not, you do not have, you cannot stop us, you know, it's free country. We are defining Western culture as that culture that you get when you pull together, when you consider as a whole, you know, as a, as a category, um, Austria, Hungary, Spain, you know, France, Ancient Rome, modern Rome, modern Italy, ancient Greece, modern Greece. You say, stop using all those words, you're fretting me. There's no such thing as some of those words. There's no such thing as ancient Italy. There's no such thing as, you know, there's no such thing as Italy. You know, Michelangelo is not from Italy. You can't say the great Italian Renaissance, you know, the the great Italian, um, great Italians of the past. You can't say... Michelangelo, Michelangelo. You can't say Michelangelo, Galileo, and all those guys because they weren't from Italy. They were from their little component states. You say, yeah, we know, but nowadays we 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 use the word Italy to apply to the group of states that is now Italy. So when we say, you know, who were the great Italian painters of the past, you know, we might say, you know, Galileo and Michelangelo, you know, sculptors as well, you know, that sort of thing. You know, and um, and and but the point is, you can sit at the end of the table and keep forcing your point and saying there's no such thing as Western culture, and then you know other people at the tables can say there is, and that's how dinners most often end. The person who thinks that there's no such thing as Western culture goes home, and is still thinking, you know, still thinks everyone else on the table is an idiot. And um, everyone else on the table goes home thinking that Western culture is a thing and goes home thinking that person's an idiot, you know. And then the um, same goes for Greece, you know, the idea of ancient Greece. Someone at the table will say, um, the great people of ancient Greece were, you know, Pythagoras, Archimedes, Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, Alexander, and they'll reel off a whole lot of names. And then, you know, you might be at the table and say there's no such thing as ancient Greece. So how can you say that the great people of ancient Greece are all those people? There's no such thing as ancient Greece. I want you, you know, I want to dismantle um, your collection, your collective way of thinking and force you to think at a lower level. And he said, no, I don't want to, he says. I I want to kind of say, you know, um, that the Greek people's had these characteristics, you know, because these people all had something in common, all these people I just mentioned, Archimedes and all that sort of stuff, you know, Plato and all that, they all had something in common and they were sharing information and they were sharing language, Alexander and all that sort of stuff and Socrates. Um, They're all sharing something. So I want to discuss it at that higher level. I want to discuss the Greeks at that high level, higher level. And, you know, the person at the table who doesn't like that idea because there technically wasn't a Greece back then um, will say, no, You are not allowed to um, consider these people at that higher category level. You have to respect them enough, you know, for what their identities were to themselves and actually isolate where each one of them comes from and stop calling them Greeks. If you're going to talk about Archimedes, you know, give some respect to the fact that he saw himself as a Sicilian, you know, Stop calling him, calling him a Greek. You know, and then the other person says, no, I'm going to call him, I'm going to call him a Greek. And then, you know, that's the way the dinner ends. And everyone goes home disagreeing, and that's fine. 
Yeah, because you can launch an argument either way. Not every argument has to be solved. And my feeling is the same goes for Ethiopia. You know, you can launch an argument and say, there's no such thing as Ethiopia. What you've actually got is all the little tribes and groupings in Ethiopia. But as a collection that, you know, you cannot call, you cannot refer to um, Ethiopia. And there's no, you know, you can't say that Lalabella was an Ethiopian. In the modern sense of the word Ethiopia, you know, um, you can't cl- and you can't claim Lalabella as an Ethiopian. Have respect for the fact that he came from wherever he came from. Well, whatever the area of Lalabella is, you know. Um, but someone else at the table says, "Look, no. What we mean now, the word Ethiopia today, you know, may have meant something different in ancient times. Look, it meant something like you know, burnt face, and it wasn't even an Ethiopian word. It was a Greek word, apparently." Ethiopia, and it's just the Greek word for, you know, burnt face, you know, something like that. Um, but that doesn't matter. These days, these days, Ethiopia is a collective term, like like a duck. The word duck refers to um, everyone who has, you know, every, all the birds that have got webbed feet and bills, you know, mallards and teals and blacks, you know, black ducks. All right. Um, now, modern days, you know, some people will say Ethiopia refers to, and this is past, present, maybe future, but, you know, you can change the meanings of words, but past and present especially, you can't really say what's going to happen in the future. South Africa could be called Ethiopia. There's nothing wrong with that. They've got burnt faces as well. Yeah. Um, so, um, so uh, someone at the table says, I do not want you saying that Menelik I was the first emperor of Ethiopia. You know, mythically quite possibly, but it doesn't matter whether it's mythical or not, you know. I do not want you saying that. I want you to um, pinpoint which tribal group he belonged to, what area did he live in, you know, that sort of stuff. Don't call him an Ethiopian, you know. And same goes for Lalabella, you know. Don't call him an Ethiopian if he didn't call himself an Ethiopian. If he didn't call himself an Ethiopian, don't you call him an Ethiopian. You say, no, no, I'm calling him an Ethiopian as a collective. Uh, you know, like a, a gaggle of geese. <laughs> no, not that sort of collective. You know, as a category with subcategories underneath it, you know. Uh, that's why I'm calling him an Ethiopian. And then you might say, you're not allowed to. And he said, well, I just did, you know. And you can't stop me, you know. Um, so, in the history of Ethiopia, we have the histories of the Somalis down south the Somali Ethiopians. We have the history of the Oromos, is part of the history of Ethiopia, you know, thousands of years ago, you know. Um, the history of um, the Gondar people, you know, the history of the people around Addis Ababa, the history of the Tigrayans, they're all part of the history of Ethiopia. And by Ethiopia, I, I mean Ethiopia, you know, the collection of groups that include all these people. And then that, and you say, well, I'm not allowing it. And he might be kind of cool, and he'll say, fine, don't. You know, but your conversations will take a long time, uh, because how are you going to just, you know, it gets a bit, uh, might get a bit boring, you know. No, actually, it'll get more interesting. Um, the person who refuses to refer to anything before, when did Ethiopia start as a word, you know, that described that region, you know, maybe the time of Tedros or just slightly after, 
I have never actually pinpointed that. It doesn't matter. This episode is not built on, you know, a superiority of knowledge. This episode asks questions. It doesn't give answers. You know, I'm asking questions. I'm not trying to side, you know, come down on one side or the other. This episode, I'm an Australian. I don't care. I'm in a wonderful position as an Australian. I actually, literally, do not love any group in Ethiopia more than any other. I have no, you know, deep in my heart and soul, I have, and this is why it's good to sometimes chat about some other culture rather than your own, Um, but I have uh, my, you know, if you say the word Tigray or the word Amhara or the word Oromo, Tigray or Oromo, um, do I feel warmer towards one group than the other? No, I don't, I don't love one group more than the other. I don't respect one group more than the other. I just, whatever they are is whatever they are. I'm curious about them, but I don't care. And, and this makes me a good observer on one level. But then again, if you want another angle, grab someone from Tigray or someone from Oromo and, um, and get their perspective and you'll get a more detailed look. But with me, you know, I'm treating them, you know, um, as someone who actually, yeah, I, I don't think one mob is more um, impressive than any other mob, really. Mainly because, I, well, I refuse to um, uh, think that for the moment. Only because I've only really um, sort of investigated one mob so far, which is the Tigrayans, and I actually haven't put any effort into investigating um, the other mobs, you know. So, you know, one could be tempted to say, oh, you know, the Tigrayans blow me away because I know some of their history now because I've had some exposure, believe it or not. And, um, but I haven't had any exposure at all to Oromo culture, um, which is down south. Uh, so I have, I actually have no idea. Um, Oromo could be every bit as impressive as, um, as Tigray. And yeah, I leave my options open to discover that another day, you know. Uh, but I haven't even tried. Right, so that's that. Excuse me, I have to do a faster U-turn so I don't crash. Um, now, um, so, uh, look, that's enough. I'm nearly at work, so I'll probably just finish off there. But- speaking peoples we're all unified by that how about that you know hey i feel a sense of camaraderie with you i'll 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 talk about that afterwards you know now that's not necessarily a political entity but it's a it's still an entity it's a cultural language entity okay so there is an identifiable group called the amharan speakers in the 18th century now there's a word um, and that is, you know, that is one and the same thing as Amharan speakers. You know, they could just as easily say, hey, we're all Amharans. That's just short for Amharan speakers. There's nothing wrong with that. So there was an identifiable group called the Amharans, or Amharas, but I think it's the Amharans. You know, I can make up words myself. I'm going to call it Amharans, okay? Um, even if it's wrong, it doesn't matter. It's my definition for the purpose of this episode. You can do that. All right, so there's Amharans. This is not about you, Amharans. It's about me thinking about you. 
You know, I'm going to call you the Amharans. There was an Amharan culture and language in the 18th century. You may not, you, you know, you may be from a neighbouring area like Tigray, for example, and you may not like the fact that there was an Amharan-speaking uh, identity in the 18th century, but whether you like it or not, and more sympathy for you, I could not have than I have, you know, on one level, and I'll describe that later. You know, I completely understand why you want to deny Amharans uh, their, uh, you know, a single unified identity. I can understand and there's political reasons, and I'm aware of those, as to why you don't want them to have uh, any sort of uh, unified identity. But it doesn't matter whether you like it or not. They've got one, and they had one back in the 18th century, and I'll talk about that later. I don't even have to look it up. I don't even have to look it up to know that. I don't even have to be an expert. You can be a much better expert on Ethiopia and assert that they didn't have a unified nature. You can be a much better... Um, uh, uh, a, a, a much better authority on Ethiopia than I am and assert that there was no such thing as an Amharan identity in the 18th century. And I can know next to nothing about um, Ethiopia and know nothing more than there were many mobs who all spoke the same language. And I can just say, I think you're wrong, and that there was um, an identity group unified by language, and I'll be right, and you'll be wrong, even though you know more about Ethiopia than me. In order to warm myself up, for this episode, which is about the Amharans in the 18th century, I want to just for a moment have a think about the Indigenous Australians of the, what, 16th century. So I'll make it the 15th. Now, um, am I able to even talk of the indigenous Australians of the 15th century? Is there even such a thing? Well, most people would say yes. Obviously, this great southern land wasn't called Australia. And and the indigenous Australians didn't self identify as indigenous Australians back in the 15th century, but we are able to create a definition of uh, all the peoples who lived on this great southern land back in the 15th century that goes like this, colon, Let's call them the Indigenous Australians of the 15th century. You know, you can make a definition like that and suddenly they've got a name. It doesn't matter if they called themselves that. I'm calling us that. I'm calling them that. You know, you can do that. Is there anything wrong with that at all? No. Um, no, they're just, surely there's not, you know. Now, obviously, they're all different mobs, different nations, if you like. They weren't nations, but they were nations. What's in a word? So you can define things, you know. A nation in the European sense, you know, the Europeans made up the word, 
kind of means a nation state, you know. But then, you know, people could get, couldn't get their heads around what we call the indigenous mob, so we call them nations. But it's just, you can define words to mean things now that apply retrospectively to peoples in times gone by. So there's nothing to stop me referring to the peoples of this great southern land in which I live uh, who were alive back in the, what did I say, the 1500s. Um, there's nothing to stop me calling them Indigenous Australians. You know, Australia is just a word for south, you know, south place, you know. Um, the word Australia has been around for thousands of years and, and applied to a great southern land that the Europeans imagined might exist, that the Greeks imagined and the Romans. Uh, so, you know, our a conceptualization of this place where I live, Australia, has been around for thousands of years, in Europe even, and it was called Australia, even back then. You know, there's, um, there's a writing by the ancient Roman um, Republican, if you like, um, Cicero, or as he would have called himself, Cicero. Uh, in which he just, you know, he was talking about a great southern land called Australis or something like that, you know. Um, and the ancient Greeks before him were describing such a place as well. And they just figured there must be a place down there somewhere. Okay. All right, so that's that. Um, excuse me, having a coffee. Um, so, uh, what to make of that? Well, I'm trying to warm myself up to talk about the Amharans of the 18th century. Now, I've just talked about the Indigenous Australians of the 15th century. Even there was, though there was no such unified kind of political self-identifying grouping. Um, but you can still talk about the Indigenous Australians of the 15th century, and it is a very much, a very much a an identifiable grouping. Absolutely is. It's everybody who was on this landmass that we now call Australia. You know, those are the Indigenous Australians. And they're all one group under that definition. They are one group. You know, and you can, until the cows come home, you can say they weren't one group, they were lots of different mobs. You know, but everyone's just going to call you dull and boring if you take that approach, you know, because there was an identifiable group as defined by the boundaries of this great southern land in which I live, which we now call Australia. And if you were going to give those people a name, you can you know, call them the First Nations of the Great Southern Land if you want. doesn't matter what you call it, but you can call it the Indigenous Australians of the 15th century. Or the 1500s, I said before, didn't I? The 15th century. Yeah. So there is such a thing. And, and they were unified. Yeah? There was no such unification I didn't say in a nation sense, did I? Stop interrupting. They were unified. They were not unified. Shut up. They were unified by a few things. You know, racially, pretty unified. Um, certain cultural attributes, pretty unified. Sort of hunter-gatherer habits, yeah, very unified. You know? Um uh, yeah, there was one or two bobs that might have done something slightly different, you know. 
Um, I think there was a kind of um, aquaculture, which you might call farming, happening here in Victoria with one mob. But, you know, the exception doesn't make the rule. You know, there is an entity that you can discuss called the Indigenous Australians of the 15th century. Yeah. And they had, you, know, you might say, well, there's no comparison between the, you know, the Victorian mobs and the New South Wales mobs, you know. But, um, and I still can't remember these rings. What are they called? Bora rings. Bora rings. Um, there, was a, there was a ceremonial practice, and there's some Bora rings in Sunbury, you know, a ta- in Victoria, a town I know very well, um, which was, uh, you know, uh, ceremonial initiation circles that um, I, I think where the, the young men did their initiations and they all have a similar pattern, these Bora rings. And the same Bora rings can be found all the way from Victoria up through New South Wales and I think even the, all the way up to Queensland. And, you know, you're saying there is no, con- con- you know, there's no connection between the Victoria, you know, different people, completely different peoples, don't join them together, you can't bundle them together. Well, they've got cultural connections. They all used the same sort of initiation ceremonies. Yeah. And um, now I have to tell you a story about um, Matthew Flinders, uh, who did the first circumnavigation of what we now call Australia. And in fact, he took that term from ancient Roman Greece, Australia, you know, but Australis, um, and, and started referring to this great southern land as Australia. I think he was the one who started calling it Australia. Now, you know, it didn't be, you know, if he started calling it Australia in, whenever that was, it was in the um, late 18th century, I think. Um, if he started calling it Australia then, then if he's discussing the great southern land um, 100 years before his time or 200 years before his time, he's still going to use the word Australia. Obviously, it wasn't called Australia then. But if he's talking about, if he says, listen, Australia in the 15th century, it makes sense. You can't pull him up and say, don't call it Australia, call it what it was really called back then. He says, and he might say, why? You know what I mean, and I know what I mean. Um, You know, we have the word dinosaur, don't we? Am I, am I allowed, you know, and dinosaurs didn't know they were called dinosaurs. Am I allowed, am I not allowed to call them dinosaurs? You know, pterodactyl. Am I allowed to say the word pterodactyl? Or is brontosaurus out, you know? Don't be an idiot, would say Matthew Flinders. Um, if I want to talk about Australia in the 15th century, I will. Even though it wasn't called that by the people who happened to be in Australia at that time. You're being dull, he might say. Um, and, uh, and that's the way it goes, you know? So you can talk, and similarly, you can talk about the indigenous Australians taken as a whole in the 15th century. Now, my, Matthew Flinders wanted to do a circum. Sorry, I got chopped off there. Um, incoming phone call on the same device into which I speak this podcast. Um, so, um, so even if there wasn't an entity called Indigenous Australia, and not only that, um, Indigenous Australians in on the east coast of Australia didn't even know that the Indigenous Australians on the west coast of Australia, they were unified 
by all sorts of connections, cultural, racial, even skin colour, if you're into that, you know, they were connected. And even their languages had similarities, I believe, but it doesn't really matter, you know. Um, as long as, they, you know, they were a unified mob. Or well, number one, you know, the greatest unification they had was the fact that they had been essentially isolated for 65,000 years, give or take, you know. Uh, no, they weren't. They were a couple that used to trade with, you know, up into Indonesia back in, you know, many centuries ago. Again, you're being dull if you try and run that line. I'm talking about in the main. Of course, there are exceptions to every rule. You know, this is, this is kind of social media thinking this, where you find an exception to a rule and then pretend that's the rule, you know, and try and knock over the rule. You know, like if I say, if I say Australia, Australian Indigenous people were... Um, a hunter-gatherer um, type of peoples or people, if I'm just talking one mob. Um, yes, you can find one or two examples where they weren't, but that doesn't mean they that suddenly makes them an agricultural society. Look, someone did. Someone people were doing that when this aquaculture was found in Victoria, just one mob of Indigenous people in the whole of Australia. You know, they found an aquaculture there, and they say this challenges. You know the um, the uh, long-held incorrect belief. You know that Australia, uh, Australia Indigenous Australians were an, a hunter-gatherer nation. It does, and then I would say it doesn't challenge that at all. You found one exception. You know, stop thinking like Facebook. You know, put your little aquaculture post up on you know Facebook and say I found an example where they weren't hunters and gatherers. You know, they weren't hunters hunter-gatherers. Ha ha, all the people who said they were hunter-gatherers were wrong. Well, no, they weren't, you know. 98% of all Indigenous Australians were hunter-gatherers. Maybe 95. It was 94. Oh, my God, there you go again. So that's that, you know. So there were Indigenous Australians back in the 15th century. And um, they can be considered as a whole. And also they can be considered as their, you know... In, as as the individual mobs, you know, they exist. Any given Indigenous Australian back in the fifteenth century exists as a member of a mob, the local mob, and exists as a member of um, an identity that I can observe, note, create, you know, notice called Indigenous Australians, you know. And modern Indigenous Australians have a single flag that they all um, they all feel a sense of unity under. You know? Now, you get people... Oh, I forgot to talk about Matthew Flinders. Now, yes, he went round Australia, but he wanted to take an Indigenous Australian with him to help him translate. You know, because he said, I'm going to meet Indigenous Australians wherever I go as I go right round Australia... Um, I'm going to need someone who can communicate with these bastards, you know. He, you know, he wasn't cut that way. He, I think he and the, uh, the Indigenous bloke he took got along quite well and he was, you know, got along quite well with the Indigenous people, did Matthew Flinders. That's not possible. He was British. Yeah, no, no, it was possible. It was possible. And um, so he took a bloke around Australia and uh, an indigenous, indigenous bloke from, you know, Sydney, and got round to Albany in WA, 
and said, righto, look, here we are in Albany. Well, it wasn't called Albany then. Maybe it was. I can't remember. And um, and um, said, all right, can you go and talk to those blokes over there? Because some, you know, some Indigenous blokes from Western Australia came out to meet the ship. And he went up and tried to talk to them and they didn't understand a word of it, what each other was saying, you know. And Matthew Flinders said, oh, my goodness. Oh, so you don't even speak the same language. And uh, the Indigenous bloke said to him, because he'd learnt a bit of English by then, um, no, I don't understand what this bloke's saying at all. <laughs> so they weren't all that unified in terms of language, right? But they were unified by other things because what happened was, now I think the Indigenous bloke from Sydney was wearing a shirt or something, but he took off his shirt and um, the Indigenous bloke in Western Australia uh, saw scarifying, scarification on his on his chest, or is it his tummy? Chest, I think. Chest, right? And he said, ah, you are one of us. That's what the guy in Western Australia said, and uh, there was an immediate rapport. Everyone noticed that it's well recorded. And suddenly there were smiles all around. But then the Indigenous, you know, sign language, blah, 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 making themselves understood. The two Indigenous blokes hit it off like a house on fire because they realised they had something in common. Okay, they were both Indigenous Australians. Can you see why Indigenous Australians from Western Australia and New South Wales do find it possible to find common ground in the 21st century and even stand under the same flag and feel like brothers? Of course they can. You know, we see it all the time at the footy. Indigenous uh, footballers, Aussie rules, um, got heaps of Indigenous players, you know, but um, they come over and they give each other a hug even if they're from the opposite ends of the country even today in the 21st century, because they are unified. Yeah, there is such a thing as a unified um, indigenous sort of culture, if you like, or identity. You know. uh, now, what happened over in Albany was um, that uh, the indigenous bloke from WA doubted that these other blokes, these white ones, were even humans, you know. What are they? Are they women even? Look at the way they're dressing. They're women. You know, that, that sort of conversation came up. And, uh, and Matthew Flinders, and I'm sure it was Matthew Flinders, I'm sure it was his ship, said to one of his, you know, officers, drop your pants. Um, no underwear then, I think. Anyway, and the bloke said, what? <laughs> he said, drop your pants. They doubt that we're even blokes. And, um, and the, all the Aborigines were standing around. The only one of them that knew that um, that uh, the the first officer there, <laughs> the mate, <laughs> you know, had a toolbox down below. The only bloke who knew that was the bloke from New South Wales. But the Western Australian guys wondered, you know, maybe these are women, maybe they're ghosts, maybe maybe they're a different species altogether, you know. But anyway, um, you know, the first mate dropped his dax right there. You know, on the beach, probably. It wasn't on a pier, I don't think. I doubt that there was a pier there then. Dropped his pants. His pantaloons. What do they call those things, you know? His breeches. And, and there he was, you know. The toolbox in all its glory. And uh, apparently that just broke the ice. Everybody loved it, laughing. You know, ah, you are a bloke. Yeah, that's the indigenous people in the West Australia. And then everyone got along like a house on fire from then on. And it was a great little visit, a great little stopover at Albany. Um, and everyone got along fine. But what that, the, the moral of that story was that 
um, Indigenous Australians, whether they be from New South Wales or WA or whatever, they've got something in common. But then the European Australians and the Indigenous peoples also had something in common, so they're a grouping. Um, They're all humans, you see, and they've all got a sense of humour, you know, and a sense of camaraderie if the the, uh, environment is right. They get along quite well, thank you, and sometimes they didn't. Of course. That's how it works. Now, um, now I am trying to warm up to the Amharans. Um, now, before I move on to the Amharans, you know, because I'm going to find an analogy there, but, you know, because the Amharans in the 18th century, there are people who say there was no such thing as the Amharans in the 18th century. Well, possibly, you know, but there was no such thing as Indigenous Australians as a, as a single sort of identity group in the 15th century either, and yet I just talked about them at length and, oh my goodness, they did exist. There was such a thing as Indigenous Australians as a single group, in, group in, in the 15th century, unified by certain things, you know, cultural um, similarities and so on and so forth, racial similarities, all sorts of similarities, you know, camaraderie and isolation for 65,000 years, except those ones up north. Who cares about them? I'm not talking about them. You know, uh, you're such a pedant, <laughs> whoever you are. Always coming in with these exceptions and calling the rules. Okay. Um, but I want to warm up to the Amharans. But, you know, and there was such a thing as the Amharans in the 18th century. Uh, as much as there was something called the Indigenous Australians in the 15th century, under the current definition of Indigenous Australians, you know, and the same goes for the Amharans. Under the current definition of Amharans, there were Amharans in the... In the eighteenth century, um, actually, there were Aram, <laughs> there was an identifiable group even back in the eighteenth century. You know, there would have been, well, there was, there was, a, there was all sorts of mobs in central Ethiopia, which is where the Amharans come from, who would have, you know, they couldn't fail to notice that, you know, they and the mobs all around them all spoke Amharan predominantly, so they would have identified. There's no way they didn't. They identified as, hey, we're all Amharan speakers. Okay, we're an Amharan-speaking sort of area. Now, as soon as you're an Amharan-speaking sort of area, you know, that's different than the Indigenous Australians who had a different language from one end to the other. These guys, the Amharans, had the same language from mob to mob to mob to mob, you know what I mean? So, uh, back in the 18th century, there's absolutely no doubt. I don't even have to look it up. Um, There were a number of mobs, absolutely certainly, who said, hey... All of us mobs have got something in common. We're all Amharan speakings. Hey, we're all Amharan speaking peoples. We're all unified by that. How about that? You know. Hey, I feel a sense of camaraderie with you. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that afterwards. You know. Now, that's not necessarily a political entity, but it's a. It's still an entity. It's a cultural language entity. Okay, so there is an identifiable group called the Amharan speakers in the eighteenth century. Now, there's a word. Um, and that is, you know, that is one and the same thing as Amharan speakers. You know, they could just as easily say, hey, we're all Amharans. That's just short for Amharan speakers. There's nothing wrong with that. So there was an identifiable group called the Amharans or Amharas, but I think it's the Amharans. You know, I can make up words myself. I'm going to call it Amharans, okay? Um, Even if it's wrong, it doesn't matter. It's my definition for the purpose of this episode. You can do that. Right, so there's Amharans. This is not about you, Amharans. It's about me thinking about you. 
You know, I'm going to call you the Amharans. There was an Amharan culture and language in the 18th century. You may not, you, you know, you may be from a neighbouring area like Tigray, for example, and you may not like the fact that there was an Amharan-speaking uh, identity in the 18th century, but whether you like it or not, and more sympathy for you, I could not have than I have, you know, on one level, and I'll describe that later. You know, I completely understand why you want to deny Amharans uh, their, uh, you know, a single unified identity. I can understand and there's political reasons, and I'm aware of those, as to why you don't want them to have uh, any sort of uh, unified identity. But it doesn't matter whether you like it or not. They've got one, and they had one back in the 18th century, and I'll talk about that later. I don't even have to look it up. I don't even have to look it up to know that. I don't even have to be an expert. You can be a much better expert on Ethiopia and assert that they didn't have a unified nature. You can be a much better... um, uh, uh, um, um, a much better authority on Ethiopia than I am and assert that there was no such thing as an Amharan identity in the 18th century. And I can know next to nothing about um, Ethiopia and know nothing more than there were many mobs who all spoke the same language. And I can just say, I think you're wrong, and that there was um, an identity group unified by language, and I'll be right, and you'll be wrong, even though you know more about Ethiopia than me. Yeah? Have a think about it. I'll be right, and you'll be wrong, even though you're the authority. Because it's circular. All same language. That's a grouping. Groupings don't have to be political. Groupings can be anything. You know, they can be religion-based. But this one is a language-based, you know. And language goes together with the culture, so it's culture-based as well, you know. It's just logic. Right, so... Now, we... Now, in defence of people who don't want... Amharans to have their own identity and there may be very good reasons that they don't want that to happen I'll describe that later too you know in a in a bit of audio coming up that I've pre-recorded you know because I've just come back to the start to have an extra little chat you know I do that um now you may not want that to be the case even though it is the case you know you may not want it to be the case that there were a lot of emperors in the past who were primarily Amharan speaking, you know, even though most people in Ethiopia, I think, are multilingual, doesn't matter. The fact that they could speak, for example, Tigran doesn't mean they weren't Amharan speaking. But in history, um, if you're an Amharan speaker today and you look back in history and you see, you know, 20 Amharan speaking uh, emperors, in Ethiopia's history, you can say, hey, those guys are like me, you know, and you'd be right. There's no two ways around it because they share something with you at least. Yeah. They share language with you. So you're right and you can sort of say, listen, on a language level, you know, and that matters to me, it may not matter to you, but it matters to me, on a language level, people who spoke like me you know, and thought like me, because thinking and language go together, you see, and so does culture 
and language and so does culture and thinking. They all go together. So someone who was culturally similar to me because, well, 10, how many emperors did I say? Let's say 20. 20 emperors that I know of in history um, spoke the same language as me were Amharan speakers like me. You know, so they're my mob, you know, they can say. Now, this Amharan speaker who is saying this in the 21st century might come from um, Addis Ababa and one of these emperors might come from Gondar. But he can still say, no, there's a connection there. We are united, identity-wise, by language at least, and probably thinking and culture too, you know, because you can't have language without culture. Um, and then, you know, someone from another area altogether that primarily speaks a different language might oppose that and say, no, 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 he's got nothing to do with you, nothing to do, no connection, he's from Gondar, and you're from Addis Ababa, no connection. And that person can say, on your bike, you're absolutely wrong, you know, because there's a language connection, is there not? Yes, there is, but that doesn't count, says the other person. Well, I'm here to tell you it does. It doesn't, says the other person. It does, says the first person. It doesn't, says the... And then it goes on like that. And um, and <laughs> there's nothing the other person, you know, person from Tigray can say, because it's true. They are united. There's nothing you can do about it. They are united, yeah? Yeah, it doesn't have to be a political, politically declared entity called Amhar in the 18th century. There's still a connection, a cultural and language and thinking connection, you know, and so on and so forth, you know. So I'll chat about that soon. Uh, but the, what's, the, um, what's the analogy there? Because I think Tigrayans, um, uh, some Tigrayans, most Tigrayans, many Tigrayans or all Tigrayans, I don't know, it doesn't matter, um, are nervous about Amharans feeling this sense of unity based on language or whatever or any other or whatever other cultural and geographical links they've got because I believe they do have some you know? and you know Tigrayans you know um, are nervous about that I think and they say no we don't like you doing that you know and the Amharans will say we're doing it anyway whether you like it or not you know um, it's illegitimate say the Tigrayans you know and the Amharans say it's legitimate we say it's legitimate it's a legitimate connection, just like all you lot are connected by your language, we're connected by our language, you know, and certain cultural attributes and all that sort of stuff. And the Tigrayans aren't happy about that, you know, and they say, no, you must identify, you know, we are making a law, you must identify by your component, sort of where you, you know, your very local areas, not your um, sort of mega area yeah that we that is roughly defined by the modern state of amhara in ethiopia you know people from the state of tigray might say all you people in the amhara region who speak all the you know primarily speak the same language you know and all that sort of stuff and who um identify with each other as a cultural sort of you know identity group at least stop that you know and the amharans are going to just put up they're going to just raise the middle finger to the north and say, up yours, Tigray. <laughs> that be idiot. You can't do that. Yeah, otherwise, Greeks can't identify with each other if they're from Sparta and Athens. Of course they can. And you know what they even did way back in the, even though there was no such thing as Greece back in, you know, 2300 BC, they did identify. They used to fight each other, of course, the Athenians and the Spartans, you know. Um, 
and they were dead set enemies in different mobs when they were fighting each other. But then when the Persians came, you know, someone from another land, they united because there was something uniting them too. You know, and Amharan speakers would be the same. They would fight each other for sure. They would have slaughtered each other. Different mobs in Amhara-speaking areas, you know. But if there was an external sort of threat, would they not have... I'm not even going to Google it, but I bet you they would. Would they have not joined forces to fight off the enemy and once they'd fought, you know, the foreign enemy, and once they'd fought off the foreign enemy, go back to fighting each other? Would they not have done that? You know, and this just goes to what I'm saying. They were different and the same. You know, they were united and sort of different at a local level. Yeah, that's the very definition of art, really, isn't it? Something that, you know, difference plus uni unification. All art is like that, you know. There's, there's um, variability and there's unification at the same time. And that's what the Amharans in the 18th century would have been all about, I would say. Well, they just were, had shared language, so that's the end of that. Uh, but, you know, the Tigrans might not like that and may oppose it, but they're opposing it not on logical grounds, they're opposing it on political grounds. They don't want it to be true even though it is true. They don't want it to be true. And so they say it isn't true. But it is true. You know, sometimes when you don't want something to be true, you just say it isn't true and hope that sticks. All right? Um, but it's still true. You just, you try and shout it as loudly as you can uh, and you get frustrated and you just, uh, an endless flood of people uh, referring to the emperors, you know, the all the emperors, the Amharan emperors of the past, you know. Stop it, you say, stop it, stop it. You, you over there, stop saying that. You stop it, stop it. Everyone stop talking. Oh, no, there's a Wikipedia page that lists all the Amharan emperors of history. No, that's illegitimate. I'm going to get onto that Wikipedia, Wikipedia page and I'm going to delete all that. And then someone puts it back up again five minutes ago. Ah, oh, I can't stop them all. Well, you can't stop them all because they are in the right, logically, and you are in the wrong. It's just that you don't want it to be true, you know. I don't want there to be coronavirus, but it's still there. There's nothing I can do about it. I can declare it not there, you know, which is kind of a Donald Trump approach. Coronavirus doesn't exist. I refuse to, I refuse to um, acknowledge it, you know. Amhara doesn't exist. Amhara in the 18th century doesn't exist, so I refuse to acknowledge it. You know, you can take that. You can take that approach, but it's still there. There's nothing you can do about it. Now, but, um, but a wish to oppose that is quite natural, and I could even defend you if you think you're at risk, if you don't oppose it. Now, the analogy I can see there is um, we have conservatives in Australia who feel threatened if Indigenous peoples unite, all the mobs of Australia. So they try and do a divide and conquer thing. And they say there was no, there's no such thing as a unified Australia and we should burn the Aboriginal flag. Yeah. I, I, would, I haven't checked, but there's a conservative commentator called Andrew Bolt who, I, I bet, would like to see the end of the Indigenous Australian flag because there is such a flag, red, black with a yellow dot. It's a great flag, great flag. And um, um, uh, Andrew Bolt would, lo would like that flag banned, I'm sure, because he wants everyone to unite under an identity group that he likes, which is the identity group we call the nation state of Australia, under a flag with a union jack in the corner and a, you know, five stars over there and one big star under there, you know. 
Everyone unite under that. There is only one thing. There's only one. We don't have tribes in Australia. There is only one thing in Australia. And anyway, all you people identifying as Indigenous Australians, there's no such thing as an Indigenous Australia. You're making that up. You know, that's what Andrew Bolt says. Now, what he's doing there, rather than try and argue whether Indigenous rights should happen or not, he'd rather say there's no such thing as Indigenous Australia because then you don't even have to argue it. See the trick there? You know, um, so, you know, people might say, listen, I'd like to invite you to to a debate about Indigenous Australian, you know, identity. And he said, no, I'm not attending that debate because there's no such thing as Indigenous Australia, so that's the end of it. See what he's doing there? He feels threatened. Um, or he's opposing it. it. It doesn't fit in with his idea of the identity type that he wants to exist in Australia, which is, you know, basically a European model and Indigenous people sort of f- f- fitting in with that, you know, which is roughly what he wants, no matter what he says. Okay. Uh, so Tigrayans maybe, you know, because now that's divide and conquer. You know, you you do not have a a collective identity, says Andrew Bolt, of the Indigenous Australians. You know, you do not have, you know, and yet I described one earlier in this episode. But Andrew Bolt is still going to push it and say, no, no, I am declaring, you know, you're not allowed to. Um, if you, you know, if you unite as a grouping, you'll be stronger. And I don't like that. You know, that's like two mobs in Australia, and I want one mob in Australia. Now, he's got a point, you know, his own point. But Indigenous Australians don't want to go with along with that point. They want to have their own identity. Now, you may not like that, but that's their business. If they want to have that, you can't do much about it short of killing them all, and maybe that's what you'd like to do. All right. Now, Amharan's the same. I suspect, and I may not be right, that Tigrayans feel threatened by the idea of Amharans feeling a sense of camaraderie with each other, you know, uniting. Tigrayans, no doubt, would like to force them to identify with their local areas, their local identity groups. You're a Gondar person, you're an Addis person, you're this person, you're that person. Now, if Tigrayans could pull that off, then the Amharan speakers, because there is such a thing, the Amharan speaking areas of Ethiopia will be divided and not unified, and will not grow in strength. Mm-hmm. Um, in short, maybe Tigrayan people don't want Amharan-speaking people from different areas of Ethiopia actually even liking each other. You know, this is the old... It doesn't have to be actual fighting, just not identifying with each other as friends, as... You know, a single mob, if you like, you know, because you can have a... You can, the Indigenous Australians are all one mob, but they are individual mobs at the same time. It's not an either-or thing. They can be both. You know, for example, I'm a Melbourneite. In fact, I'm an Essendonite, and I'm a Melbourneite, and I'm a Victorian, and I'm Australian, all at once. You know, and in the same way, you can be a Gondorite in Ethiopia, and you can be an Amharan, and you can be an Ethiopian all at the same time. And you can be an African. And you can be a part of the world global community. You can be an earthling. You know? it, these things are not an either or. Um, you can be all. And 
that's enough for that. Look, it just felt like having a chat. Um, and, yeah, you know, Andrew Bolt doesn't want a single Indigenous Australia to exist. And he pushes that really hard. And he's flabbergasted when people, um, when people claim that there is such a thing as an Indigenous Australia under one flag. He's just flabbergasted. Yeah, but he shouldn't be flabbergasted. What he's actually doing is, it's not my preferred way of identifying people. I want you to all come along with my idea of the way people should be identifying with themselves. You know what I mean? Um, he, he's, um, Andrew Bolt is saying there's no such thing as Indigenous Australia. And the reason he's doing that is because he doesn't want there to be any one such thing. And I suspect a lot of Tigrayans, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, don't want there to be a single identity grouping called Amharans that, you know, that stretches back into history. They don't want that to exist. So they assert that that thing doesn't exist because that's easier than trying to argue. Um, rather than talk, uh, convince all the Amharans to stop loving each other as a single identity group, um, it's much easier to say that there is no such thing as Amhara in the 18th century, for example, yeah, even if there was. Okay, I've got another little spiel on that coming up, which I pre-recorded, but I just felt like speaking it again while I was at it, and that was that. There's an episode coming up, and it's pre-recorded. But having done that episode, I can come back to the start now and have a think. And the think I want to have is the think that will um, help me uh, get an idea in my own head of what might be meant by the term Amharan of all terms in the world. Look, it's just a it's, a, it's a, it's a group of people. It is and it isn't, depending on who you talk to. You know. uh, but in my head, and it doesn't matter what's in your head, but what's in my head is this. Um, uh, when we are thinking about groups of people, uh, we tend to identify them in different ways. Um, yeah, this is all pretty obvious, you know. Uh, So, you know, you have Essendon supporters and Collingwood supporters in a football sense. All right, so that's one way. Um, You have Australians and you have Canadians. All right, that's another way. You know, that's a political distinction. A political distinction. All right. And the other one was a sort of tribal distinction on on football, uh, along football lines. All right, so that's a distinction, you know. Um, another one is on um, racial lines, you know. So you get Semitic people uh, and you get Celtic people, for example, you know, or Germanic peoples, you know, or Huns, you know, or Chinese-type people, you know, and so on and so forth. You know. um, so there's another way of uh, thinking about different groups types of people. Now, the interesting thing is, you can belong to more than one group, but all the groups are valid. They're all legitimate. 
well, you can't say they're illegitimate is the best way to think about that. You, you know. Um, all right. Now, uh, you know, but if you're very strong on identifying people along political lines and, you know, an Australian is an Australian is an Australian and that's the only identity group that matters and there's a lot of uh, conservative Australians that think like that, um, you know, then you will play down some other distinction, you know, for example, racial, you know, so um, conservative Australians uh, want to forget um, that, you know, we have uh, indigenous Australians, you know, as a, a, se- a group that is separate from non-indigenous Australians, you know, and, you know, and also Torres Strait Islanders, you know, um, they want to say, put that aside. The only identity group that matters is whether you're an Australian or not. We do not need tribes in Australia. You know, that's another way of saying it, you know. Um, and, uh, and, you know, some people object to that and they say, no, Indigenous peoples need special treatment you know, uh, you know, to be sensitive to their culture. And anyway, they were here first. Um, so, you know, uh, that's effectively, what you're effectively saying there is make them European, turn them into Europeans, you know. And, you know, a conservative might say, no, I'm not, we want to blend it, but no, no, that's what you're trying to do, you know, that sort of thing. Right, so there's different ways of, you know, associating people uh, with each other. Another one is along religious lines, you know. So you have Muslims as a grouping compared to, you know, atheists or secularists, if you like. You know, I'm a secularist. As a, a you know, primarily I am, uh, a grouping. And, and you can have Christians and Buddhists and so on. Or you can um, zoom out a little bit and just say, listen, you have people who are religious and people who aren't. You know, you can group people any way you like. Now, some people prefer one sort of group, way of grouping people together more than another. You know, highly religious people would value um, religious identification above national identity. You know, um, and is that illegitimate? Or no, it just comes down to a preference then. You know, you don't like it. You can't say that you can't do it. You can't tell, for example, Muslims not to identify as Muslims. You know, you say, you've got nothing, you know, you, you get an Arab, you know, and you say, you've got nothing in common with Indonesian. You know, you can have um, Saudi Arabian Australians, you know, who are Australian citizens, and you can have Indonesian Australian citizens, and they are Australians. And um, you might be one of those people that say, you are not allowed to identify in the same grouping as that guy over there because you're from Saudi and he's from Indonesia. You've got nothing in common. And, you know, that guy has a right to say, well, no, I have. We're both Muslims, you know, and we've got an affinity. We've got something that connects us. We are an identity group, you know. Um, Now, I'm not getting into identity politics yet. I'm getting into identity full stop at the moment. Now, politics comes into it, you know. But is that a bad thing, you know? Muslims in Australia do need some sensitivity as a grouping, you know. Um, we, you know, uh, well, I, I think they, well, they don't need it, you know, you can, you can, you can not allow it, you know, you can force them to not have their, um, you know, you can ban mosques if you want, but, you know, that a relaxed and, um, 
a country, a country does not make. All right. Now, another way of defining people, what have I done? I've ticked off religion, I've ticked off racism, um, racial. Look, we've had plenty of examples. We're skin colour, just straight skin colour. Now, you might say that's a bad way to identify, but it, it doesn't matter. It's a real way. So it has to be acknowledged. You know, you can't deny or ignore the fact that skin colour comes into it as a grouping type. A lot of people identify by skin colour. You're either white or you're brown. Yeah, actually, they say you're white or you're black. A lot of black people say that and a lot of white people say that. You're black or you're not, you know what I mean? Um, You know, there's a lot of black people who say black people need to, you know, show unity with each other. Whether you're Aboriginal Australian or African American or African African or wherever you're from, Pacific Islander, we um, all have a shared connection. Now you can, you know, that can really upset you, but it doesn't matter. You can't. It is a grouping. It's it's it's, it's not that people can't group like that. You know, you can't say you can. You, that is not. You're not allowed to do that. You, know, you can't stop people doing that. It's it's a legitimate type of grouping. You know, um, you know, black. What do they call it? Black. Um, Blacks unite, you know. There is a big movement around that in the world, you know, that all blacks should bind together as a grouping. And, and I think that is in, in response, you know, it's not just out in a vacuum. It's in response to the fact that whites have done that in the past. And there's a legacy of that that exists in the world today in terms of, you know, rigged world systems that, you know, discriminate against people who are not what we call whites, you know. So, if, if the whites all united in times gone by, then it's just natural that non-whites will unite against that, you know. So that's another type of grouping. Um, now, another type of grouping is language, and that's a strong one. I think it's about as strong as um, religion, you know. If you speak a certain language, you have something in common with someone else who speaks that language. And in, that, in this sense, you know, Australians and Canadians yeah, and people from the United States of America have something in common. It's something that unites all those countries, that we're all English-speaking countries, you know, you know originally so, you know. That we are nation-states that started out as English-speaking nation-states. And I'm saying nation-states. I'm not talking about the actual geographical. I'll get to geographical. We haven't got to that yet. But Australia, as a nation-state, started out as an English-speaking nation-state. Read the Constitution. It's in English. Indigenous people were left out of that. That's another whole grouping, you know. Anyway, you get all these different groupings, you know. Now, for the purpose of this episode, an interesting grouping is not English-speaking peoples, but Amharan-speaking peoples. Now, they may be from different parts of Ethiopia because that's where they're from, but they are a legitimate grouping. If you come from... Now, I don't know all the places in Ethiopia very well, but if you come from Gondar, and it, and it does happen to be an Amharan-speaking area in the 1800s, let's say. Now, I don't know if it is or not an Amharan-speaking area in the 1800s, but just let's imagine it is. And if it wasn't, then pick a, pick a town that was... You know. Okay, an Amharan-speaking town in Ethiopia that's a long way from Addis Ababa, which is also, which was also an Amharan-speaking, predominantly. Um, most people are multilingual in 
Ethiopia. But, you know, we're talking predominantly, you know, there's people that speak Italian in Australia too, you know. It doesn't matter if a few people don't, you know, aren't predominantly. Look, yes, we're talking generalisations. Now, um, so Amharan-speaking peoples um, have something in common. There's something shared, you know. Um, And a person that has, you know, come from one area that has its own sort of history and all that sort of stuff, and another person that comes from another area has its own set of history and all that sort of stuff, you know, and they're two different histories, per se. Well, they are... See, they're not that different. You know, they're not as... It's like having one Indigenous mob in Australia and saying, that's got nothing to do with that other mob over there. But then you investigate and, geez, they've got a lot in common. You know, they've got a lot in common. They've got... Their languages are pretty similar. They're not exactly the same, but, gee, they're pretty similar. They're almost... The difference is only dialectic. Yeah. Um, and they've got a lot of... You know, and they've got a lot of cultural similarities. Yeah. We've got these things called... I forget what they're called. Um, you know, the sacred uh, sort of initiation grounds, I forget what they're called. Um, we've got one in Sunbury. And we find those, and they're identical, all the way from Victoria up to Queensland. You know, but these are different mobs. You cannot identify together, you know, someone might say, because you are all different mobs. This is not one nation, you know. You are multiple nations. You've got nothing in common. Oh, yeah, but, you, you know, their burial... Sorry, their initiation ceremonies are all the same up and down. Yes, they are linked. They are connected. And any, you know, any amount of getting angry and denying them the right to feel an affinity with each other. You know, if they met, someone from a Queens from Queensland met a, someone from, a mob from Queensland met a mob from Victoria that have something in common that binds them. You know, they are the one mob on one level as a category, you know, um, the category of people who have, you know, sort of similar languages, you know, like 80% similar languages. We'll make it New South Wales versus Victoria. But, you know, have cultural similarities. Right. Now, Amharans in Ethiopia um, are a type of grouping. Now, you might say there was no political grouping called Amharan in in the 1800s, for example. No political grouping, you know, and no specific tribal grouping. But I've just listed about eight different types of groupings that are all just as legitimate as a political grouping and it doesn't matter if you haven't got a political grouping you can have a language based grouping you know that that is a group and you can have a grouping that is language based plus about six other similarities you know because if you've got a language connection two mobs two different mobs in Ethiopia for example that have got a language connection that means they've got a cultural connection too because Language, deri- language emerges from culture and culture emerges from language. There's an interplay there. You know, language and culture are connected. So if you've got different mobs in Ethiopia, all in, and I think they're all in the centre, roughly, it doesn't have to be exact. You know, you don't have to be able to... Dr- I got interrupted there by a work call and uh, I've lost my train of thought, but I was on that train a minute ago, but um, I'll try and get back on it. I can't be bothered going back and listening to what I said before. Uh, So, um, 
Yes. All right, Amharans, I know I was talking about them. And you might say there's no such thing as Amharans in the 1800s. But, you know, look, what I'm saying here is there are an Amharan-speaking people in the 1800s. Yeah, that's undeniable. Um, so there is a grouping, and I think it's in the middle of... It doesn't matter if it's a fuzzy area. You know, if at the edges it's a little bit Amharan, a little bit something else. That doesn't matter. That doesn't knock off, that doesn't knock off the whole point. You know, what you've got is a generally... Um, Amharan-speaking area in, and a large area, I think, in um, yeah, the centre-ish of Ethiopia. And you've got a, another language, Tigrayan, and it's a, there's a predominantly Tigrayan-speaking area, and we're just talking language at the moment, not politically declared areas, you know, or you know, tribally declared areas, you know, where they've actually put up signs and said, we are Amharan. You know, we're not talking about that, we're talking about language here, language and culture actually, you know, because language and culture are connected, you know, and uh, there's not much dispute about that in the world, Um, uh, language reflects culture and culture reflects language, they grow together, and uh, anyone who speaks the same language comes from a similar cultural background, and 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 if that's a slightly different language than another language nearby, and I'm thinking Amharan and Tigrinya, uh, which are two different languages in Ethiopia, um, then, um, yeah, there's going to be a slight cultural difference, but the Amharan-speaking groups uh, will all have something in common that unites them. Yeah, that'll be slightly different than what the Tigrinya-speaking peoples have got that unites them, you know. So in, in a sense, you know, I don't know whether you'd call it a specific tribe, you'd call it two language groups there and two language-slash-cultural groups there, a Tigrinya-speaking uh, cultural group and a um, Amharan-speaking cultural group. And we're very comfortable with that idea. You know, we have this concept, you know, which, and they may, may not even exist, but, you know, we imagine this Aryan-speaking, you know, because Aryanism, you know, the ones that the Germans and the Indians are so keen on, you know, they imagine this ancient um, cultural group um, and that ancient cultural group is constructed only on language lines. Whenever you read of Aryanism, you know, as the Nazis might have described it, um, Aryanism really exists only on language lines. It's been, um, you know, people imagine an Aryan culture or an Aryan people even, and the only way they have um, derived this idea of Aryanism, you know, as the Nazis understood it, was along language lines. They've noticed similarities in the languages. They don't even know what skin colour they were or anything back then. It's so long ago, you know. Um, but they imagine, they, they have um, inferred a cultural group called the Aryans based solely on language. Language and culture. Uh, very connected. Right, now, so the, back in the 1800s, you did have an Amharan-speaking area. So you did have an Amharan cultural group, an Amharan identity group. You did have that. There's no, no way to push that away. Yeah. And you might go running for um, some other identity group that you prefer because, you know, you may be a Tigrayan, for example, you know, and, and that's a nice um, identifiable tribal group. And you might um, not want the Amharan-speaking group to identify with each other as strongly as you do as a Tigrayan 
um, speaking cultural group, you know, you might want to say, listen, we are a more powerful identity than Amharan speakers, which is a little bit mean in a way, you know, um, and we will, you know, it's not allowed, you know, um, you have to um, have, you know, identified as a tribal group to be legitimate, you're illegitimate, you know, you might be sort of saying, you know, you might want to deny um, the Amharans their connection with each other, um, a connection that the Amharans want to have and do know they have based on language and culture, you know, and you might want to deny them of that, um, but they're going to have it anyway, whether you're denying them or denying them that anyway, um, and yeah, look, it's a really good way of, you know, if, if an argument comes up, you know, um, Amharan, um, you know, and someone wants to have a debate with you, you know, Amharan culture, you know, let's say it was an actual formal debate, you know, like you have at school, um, Amharan culture versus um, Tigrayan culture, compare and contrast. You know, you might be one of these people that says, oh, this is easy. Uh, I'm going to deny that Amharan culture even exists. End of debate. See, I'm going home. And then you walk out. You know? They, and you might you might do that because you are drawing attention away from the language and culture connection. And you are going to focus in on something that suits your side of the thinking. You know? And you might focus on, you know, the, this idea of a declared... Um, political identity group you know you have to be almost politically aligned or tribally aligned you know whereas the Amharans are saying no no I really you know we're from, I'm from a completely different tribe two different tribes uh, another Amharan tribe and I'm an Amharan tribe a bit like Aboriginals in Australia you know or um, you know Northern English versus Southern English which are very different you know almost different languages you know but they all feel English you know the Amharans might say we're like the English you know yeah, someone from way down the bottom of England, um, you, they can't even understand the people up north of England, um, but they all know that they've got a lot of similarities. They're all English. There's something that unites them. It's language, it's culture. Now, you might be one of those people that turns up to a debate that you know, says Amharans and Tigrayans compare and contrast in the 1800s. And you might say, you, as I said, you might stand up and say, there was no such thing as Amharans in the 1800s. I'm out of here. Thanks a lot. Thanks for inviting me. I'm going home. Click, bang, the door's gone. You know, you shut the door and you've gone. And everyone's looking around saying, uh, hang on. Don't, doesn't the other side get to sort of argue against that? Isn't that the idea of the debate? You know, um, but, um, you know, if I was um, an Amharan-speaking person back in the 1800s, I personally, and this is just me personally, I'm not saying this is truth or not truth. I'm just saying I would say, listen, you know, um, I'm an Amharan, you know, I'm, I'm a member of an Amharan-speaking identity group, and it's actually a cultural group too, and um, it has some differences between the Tigrayan-speaking community, you know, um, but we are an identity group, all of us, you know, and uh, and uh, as such, you know, I think there was an identity, an Amharan-speaking identity group in Ethiopia in the 1800s, um, and I think though anyone who was Amharan-speaking from an area that was predominantly Amharan-speaking, I'm sure that, you know, I don't need to study it to 
um, know that they would have had other similarities, you know, that are peculiar to just themselves. Um, uh, because, you know, language and culture are interconnected. They really are. Um, you know, so you don't even have to know the details. You don't have to be an expert on Amharans to know that, um, you know, Amharan-speaking peoples in the 1800s to know that they had connections beyond simple words. Words derived from culture. You know, because um, you need to create words to describe your cultural ways of thinking even, you know, just your absolute way of thinking, not even your traditions. The way you think is reflected in language. I was, I was hearing this in, the other day. Who was I hearing it from? Um, I probably won't remember. It was on the news last night. Yeah, just the BBC. Um, 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 Germans versus Australians. Um, and Germans, Australians have a... Oh, I think it's Eklibitik, you know. Um, I love you. Now, when um, Australians throw around, you know, they say to their children, I love you, you know. Um, but with Germans, the idea of I love you, Eklibitik, um, is a lot more profound and deep. And, you know, you're not going to get uh, people walking around Berlin saying Eklibitik, you know. Um, to their own children, because it's actually a much more profound connection on a spiritual level in a different way, you know, it's reserved, it's got a different meaning. Now, German and English are closely related, they're both Germanic languages. It's a little bit like um, um, Amharan and Tigrinian, you know, um, because English is an, a German language, you know, um, essentially. And now, um, but, you know, our idea of I love you is different than Eklibidik, you know. Um, and same goes for Amhara and, uh, you know, there's a difference between Germans as a cultural group and English people as a cultural group. You know, there was no Germany, but there was, you know, this is before the time of Bismarck, you know, 1800s. We're always talking 1800s, big changes around that time. So, um, there was no such thing as, um, a Germany, you know, and you can say, you know, can people say, oh, you know, the German sort of, um, you know, uh, Otto, von Bismarck, Otto, Otto von Bismarck, when he was born, he's born a German, you know, and, you know, that person I was talking about who walked out of the day before, uh, the debate before, you know, that person would say, no, he wasn't, because there was no Germany, I'm out of here. But he was, you know, even though he was only one part of Germany and there wasn't a nation state called Germany or a sort of grouping called German, you know, back then, per se, you know, uh, you know, almost announced you know, or a flag, you know, and all this sort of stuff, you know. Is there an Amharan flag? It doesn't matter. Was there an Amharan flag back in 1800s? Doesn't matter. There was an Amharan-speaking community or peoples with an S on the end of peoples. And um, so there were Amharans in the 1800s. And as and, and under that grouping, you know, um, you do, you know, I, I'm pretty sure that uh, there was an emperor. There's an emperor I've studied the most. His name's Tedros. And I would say he was an Amharan under that definition. Now, what happens inevitably when you've got language and culture connections? You have political connections as well. Politics arises from language and culture too. Your politics. Now, this is where people from, let's say, a different area like Tigray um, might want to, uh, you know, they, they, they don't want... Amharans, they might not want Amharans to feel so connected 
or bind together. You know, because if you're united, you're stronger. You know, so if all the groups in the Amharan-speaking area of Ethiopia bind together and and feel an affinity with each other and a connection and a cultural connection and a language connection, well, they've already got that, the language connection, probably a cultural connection too. But that's a risk to Tigrayans. Now, the Tigrayans might say, listen, I don't want you all to bind politically. And I, I've got sympathy for the Tigrayans on that level. Um, you know, they might say, it's a danger to us Tigrayans if all the different Amharan-speaking areas bind together as a political group. You know, we don't like that, you know, um, because that presents, that'll make them stronger than us. You know, they'll outnumber us and they'll outpower us, you know. We don't like it, you know. So, but but rather than tr- uh, try to deny um, the Amharan-speaking people the, uh, the right to bind together politically, it's easier to be like that person that stood up in that debate and saying there's no such thing as Amhara. And when there is, you know, as far as I can, you know, like my logic says, you know, there's an Amharan speaking, language and cultural group. Um, and you're saying, yes, all right, there's an Amharan language and cultural group, the Tigran. You know, technically, if you didn't want them to all, you know, united, we stand, divided, we fall. You know what I mean? And, and that's the problem, you know. We don't want Amharans uniting along language and culture lines, especially language, um, because that makes a block, B-L-O-C, that might stand in opposition to the Tigrayan-speaking world. You know, so you've got two worlds along language lines, you know. Um, And you might say, you know, a Tigrayan block or the Tigrayan group of people might say, we don't like the idea of these guys binding together politically. We don't. Um, because that presents a risk to us. They'll start to dominate Ethiopian politics, you know, and we'll be a backwater. You know, they've already got Addis Ababa, you know, which where all the, you know, most of the most of the action's happening and where the money, you know, that's the money area. Um, we'll end up like a crappy backwater um, sort of tribe on the fringes, you know, like Oromo. Well, no, the Oromo, look, let's leave Oromo out of it. Aromia and all that sort of stuff. That's a whole other subject. I did that in a previous episode. Now, um, so you might get a Tigrayan saying, gee, if they're already united along language lines, so there are such, there was such a thing as an Amharan, you know, Amharan speaking um, identity group back in the 1800s. Um, and, you know, there, there was an Amharan speaking emperor or an Amharan emperor. You know, Amharan speaking, Amharan, what's the difference? You know what I mean? Um, called Tedros, you know. Today's Amharans, you know, Amharan speaking peoples, might say he's ours. And an Amharan speaking person will say, well, he is. And, and the Tigrayans might not like that. And they might say, no, we don't, we want to deny the existence of an identity group called Amharan, even though you are, you know. We want to deny the existence of an Amharan speaking world only because we don't like the political ramifications. So you almost have to tell a lie and deny that Amharans exist as a language group in order for them to not bind on political lines. You know, but you have to tell a lie to make that happen. You have to deny them their unity on language lines in order to stop them uniting on political lines, but you're telling a lie. You know, you're sort of saying that um, someone like Tedros, the emperor in the 1800s, was not Amharan. 
because there was no such thing as Amhara, but there was, for all the reasons I've just mentioned. You know, maybe not politically, but language-wise and cultural-wise, yes, there was. You know, uh, there's nothing you can do about that. But what you can do is just just deny, deny, deny all the way through, like Donald Trump would. You know, I deny they exist. Oh yeah, but no, we've got a really good logic as to why they do exist. You know, someone else might say, "I deny they exist," says Donald Trump. You know, that's Donald Trump's method. You know, you might want to take his approach. It might work if you're a Tigran. Give it a go. Uh, we can talk about um, this group of um, peoples. You know, uh, as Amharans, even back in time, you know, before we started categorising ourselves as that. Um, okay, so that's that. Yeah, much like I suppose Indigenous Australians, um, you know, do like to um, say that their ancient ancestors were Indigenous Australians. Um, but there was no such concept of Indigenous Australians, but they liked to do it anyway, just to, you know, maybe to um, differentiate themselves from European Australians, you know. So maybe Amharans like to do that, but there's politics in that, and there's politics in that in Australia too. You know, should you allow all the different groups of Indigenous peoples in Australia to identify uh, you know, under the, fl- the Aboriginal flag, if you know it, great flag, one of my favourite flags in the world. You know, that doesn't mean I like Indigenous people, I just love their flag. It's a red, black with a yellow dot. Okay, but, you know, Indigenous peoples unite under that flag. Are they allowed to? Well, of course they are. You can't stop them. And, and they do have, you know, cultural similarities, all the Indigenous peoples of Australia. They all do scarifying, you know, scratching of the chest and all this sort of stuff, you know. Uh, they do have a, a, a very strong shared cultural... Um, basis for identifying as a collective or a collection. You know, and, and Amharans apparently the same. You know. So is there anything wrong with that? Well, it doesn't matter if there's anything wrong with that um, or not. You can't stop them doing it because it's logically something they can do. There's nothing you can stop them. It's not something you can stop. If they want to um, associate, you know, if they want to notice something shared about themselves the Indigenous Australians, that's fine. Yeah, and they'd be correct too, logically, you know. Amharans too, they might say, you know, we all speak Amharan, you know, so that's our connection. So we'll call anybody who, you know, we'll make a definition up that anyone, any any group within Ethiopia, modern Ethiopia, well, <laughs> within this region, past, present and future, that is predominantly Amharan speaking, we'll call them Amharans. So you can't stop that, logically. You know, but you, you might, you can't say that they can't do it but you can say you don't like it which is a completely different thing you know so logically yes you know if, if they define Amharans in that way then they are all Amharans you know past present and future and you know as applied even back in history they were Amharans back then according to the current definition of Amhara there's nothing illogical about that you know and, um, and uh, um, without further ado, I'll just read a text I sent to somebody chatting about this, which was something of an introduction to this episode. And it goes like this. Um, 
uh, that person said uh, something and um, and oh I just noted for the hell of it uh, you're interesting in some ways this person is integrated into the Ethiopian community uh, you're interesting in some ways when speaking about Ethiopia because you care about it and I then went on to say I'm interesting to listen to in the opposite way because I don't best of both perspectives all right there you go that's that listen to her podcast if you want to hear the other perspective right in the end i type here in that episode i differentiate between whether different mobs are allowed to define an identity grouping called amhara that applies to a collection of smaller groupings collected together as a single whole allowed to logically that is much in the same way that we nowadays bundle together pouched animals under the category marsupials and then go back thousands of years and refer to ancient kangaroos as marsupials even though there was no such thing as a concept of marsupials back then and but well there might have been i don't know whether the indigenous peoples of australia did uh, bundle those people together those um marsupials together uh marsupials together as a subcategory look they might have it doesn't really matter just imagine they didn't and then the you know the example works right and if, if not marsupials some other categorization yeah right uh, and i suggest that logically there's nothing illogical about choosing to define every tribe, past, present and future, that is primarily Amharan speaking, for example, and which has vaguely been in the area currently marked out as or identifies as itself as Amhara, and then using that definition to refer to Tedros, uh, he's an Ethiopian emperor, by the way, from Gondar, as Amharan. You simply can't stop people doing that and making total logical sense as they do. But then I finished with this in, in, you know, but what you can do is oppose that on political grounds, citing what will happen if such a definition is permitted to exist. My working day is finished and I'm back in the car and uh, I just made a follow-up text just vaguely trying to understand things um, and I said to somebody you know what someone who knows uh, what does unite Amharans by the way I don't even know and I don't you know I just assumed it's language and a couple of other things I think that's what I say in the episode that is coming up which I pre-recorded um, and then I ask the question you know is it language mainly with vague ideas of geographic and ethnic um, origin um, is it a kind of way also of saying not Tigrayan you know these are the questions I asked I'll interrupt myself deliberately on this occasion because of what I just said then uh, because that's a theme that runs through my podcast. I mention it occasionally. I mention it occasionally. Um, and yeah, there are many things that can unite an identity group. And sometimes, you know, it's usually a suite of things. It's not one thing or another. You know, it's a multiple things. So, you know, Indigenous Australians are united along many lines yeah, as a single group, even though they're different mobs. Right. Um, 
I'll, I'll use the Indigenous Australians as an example and then come back to Amharans. Um, Indigenous Australian mobs, uh, besides all their pre-existing um, unifying features as uh, a, a large group of people who were isolated on this land for, essentially isolated, for 65,000 years, give or take, uh, maybe up to 80,000, who knows, um, and all sorts of other things that unite them culturally. Uh, there's another thing that has brought them even closer together. You know, let's say that I was a bit of a fascist um, Australian, you know, a white fascist type. You know, I might be, for all you know. You know. Uh, my politics are not relevant to this podcast. Now, let's say I was. Let's say I am. Now, I might get very annoyed that Indigenous Australians form an identity amongst themselves um, in contrast or contradistinction even, um, in contrast to, you know, European Australians. And, and you know, I might say, <laughs> as Australians, shouldn't we be trying to come together? You know, this is, you're dividing us here, you know, by identifying as Indigenous Australians, as a block, B-L-O-C, you know. Um, you know, have your, have your little local sort of identities and all that sort of thing, but... Above all, you're Australians, you know, and we all need to pull together. You know, I might say, I might say that. Um, but in, you know, as angry as I might be at Indigenous Australians for um, binding together, yeah, that might be my fault, you know, because, um, you know, I and my kind might have done that before they did. And when we came to Australia, we might have uh, presented ourselves as a powerful identity group, what we, call, what we called white people, you know, and you know, we might have called them all sorts of names and primitive and all that sort of thing. Um, and we may have uh, bundled them all together in one group called the, you know, the natives. Now... In the 21st century now, you know, we might say, hey, unbundle yourselves. You're being too bundled, you know. Um, this is like an, an additional tribe in Australia. I don't like it, you know. But it might be my ancestors that did that, you know, that pushed them all together into one identity group. You know? and, um, and, you know, I might even take that further and say that worldwide it really makes me grumpy that Indigenous Australians, for example, feel a sense of unity with African Americans. And African Africans too. And Pacific Islanders and anyone else with black or brown skin. Yeah, I might say, that is illogical. It's driving me nuts, you know. Indigenous Australians have got more in common with, you know, Native Americans who aren't black. Why are they identifying with African Americans, you know? And that may seem logical to me especially if I'm on a rant, you know, if I'm on a Nazi rant, you know, um, but if I stopped and thought, I'd say, oh, hang on. We created that identity. 
like oops you know it's our you know we created it because we called ourselves white and everyone all of everyone with dark skin we called them all colored people or blacks or whatever we called them you know um called them all sorts of bad things jigaboos you know whatever we called them terrible things you know but i do have to sort of i would have to you know if i'm a nazi um i'll be a nazi for a second um yeah uh i'm i have to say um if african unity not even african unity if black power is a thing worldwide um it's all very well for me to say i don't like it you know but i may well have created it you know as a nazi myself you know um I may well have created it, you know. So hating the thing you created, you know, because if you say, I'm white, I'm white, I'm white, and all you lot, you're all blacks, you know. Um, and then all those people turn around and they look back at me and they say, well, we're going to agree with that proposition. And um, blacks unite. You know, you are telling us, you know, the black peoples of the world, the black-skinned people of the world, you are telling us that we are all a single identity on skin colour lines, at least. You are telling us that, are you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're all just blacks, you know. Not going to give you a job. Um, and then the um, people with black skin all over the world, you know, even Indians, you know. <laughs> uh, it gets ridiculous, you know. Um, yeah, because, anyway, um, doesn't matter if it's ridiculous or not. I'm a Nazi, so it's okay, you know. Whatever I want to think, I can think. Now, um... Uh, and they say, well, okay, we'll agree with that. And we'll, okay. Whites versus blacks then, if that's the way you want it. And, um, and then, and we're even going to bring a movie out. What was that called? Black Panther, you know. Okay. We're going to start movements along black line. You know, we're going to, African Australians are going to have community meetings with indigenous Australians on, along black skin coloured lines. Brown skin coloured lines, black skin coloured lines, whatever. You know? And you say, what are you two meeting for? You know, um, if anything, the Indigenous people should be Skyping with um, Indigenous Americans and just ignoring Africans. Ignoring African Americans and African Australians. They've got nothing in common. Ah, uh-huh, but they have got something in common, Charlie, you Nazi. And you gay, you, you created that thing they've got in common. Now, to what extent, and I do not know the answer to this, you know, yeah, do Tigrayans in Ethiopia, do they deep down think that they have brought everything that's um, good, noble and impressive about Ethiopia, the idea of Ethiopia, whatever that is in your head, you know, um, you know the origin of Ethiopia, the, um, the great emperors of Ethiopia, you know, Lalabella, whatever, all the things... Um, um, I can't even begin to think, you know. All the best things culturally, economically, politically, all that sort of stuff, do Tigrayans deep down say, listen, you know, we brought all that to Ethiopia and all you other mobs brought nothing, really. You might have, look, you might have brought one or two little things, one, one or two little uh, one or two little contributions, you know. But do Tigrayans think like that in Ethiopia? You know, the Tigrayans are the mob up the north. Do Tigrayans think like that? And I'm not, gonna, I'm not even going to bother getting into whether that's true or not. You know, from a personal perspective, I'd say that's just uh, most likely bollocks, you know, but it doesn't matter. You know, 
even if they're deluded, you know, they have a right to their delusions. If they think all the great Ethiopian emperors of history were all Tigrayan, good luck to them. If they, th- you know, um, yeah, I've read up a little bit and um, Ethiopian emperors tended to be peripatetic. Is that the word? They used to move around. They had roaming capitals, roving capitals, you know, a tent capital, you know, like um, it used to roam around their realms, roaming the realms. You know. So um, an emperor back in ancient times would move around and not even in, and even in times not so ancient, um, there was no fixed capital. So, you know, you can't say that, oh, you know, um, you can't even say where the emperor's from. They used to move around. That's, you know, on Tuesday they might be in Tigray region, and on Wednesday they might be in uh, in Amharan areas. You know, Amharan speaking areas. All right. Um, so you know, oh, you know, Aksum. You know, great empire of Aksum. You know, uh, they were all Tigrayans. All the emperors back then were Tigrayans. You know, because they all came from Aksum. Are you sure about that? You know, you sure they weren't just roving around? Are you sure sometimes? You know. <laughs> Who were the emperors anyway? You know, was it, you know, there must have been huge whacks of time when there were about four different emperors at once. You know, which one's the right one, you know, um, and all that sort of stuff, you know, especially before Christianity even came along, you know. There was emperors before then too, you know. Um, so it's not even, you know, you can't even sort of point to a bishop and say, bishop said I was emperor, so that's, you know, official. You know, this goes back to before bishops even existed, Christian bishops, right? Incoming phone call, chopped that off. Uh, you get what I'm saying, you know. Um, if Tigrayans, uh, what I was getting at uh, um, is, uh, just looking for something here, um, what I was getting at there was um, that if, and it's a big if, if Tigrayans kind of get a bit grumpy uh, that Amharans are uh, unifying on multiple lines, they might have to uh, be a little bit annoyed with themselves for blundering by uh, pushing, you know, creating one of those lines along which Amharans are identifying, you know. Amharans might be uniting under a, um, an identity of we are not Tigrayans, you know, we are whatever Tigrayans are not, because Tigrayans have identified themselves as Tigrayans and have identified themselves as being better than everyone else. You know, that might be in the Amharan, you know, in, in uh, the minds of a lot of Amharans. Uh, you know, I'm aware that, you know, some Tigrayans, they kind of say, oh, we brought everything that's good to Ethiopia. However, you know, we... Uh, that's just yeah. Everything that's good about Ethiopia, we created, and none of you, uh, none of the rest, none of the rest of you ever really brought anything good to Ethiopia. Um, however, you know, we 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 are we are happy just just got to kind of not make a big deal of that. It's true, but it's, we, we're not making a big deal of it. We just want you to know that. Um, but you know, let's have unity. You know, but we brought everything good. Uh, but you know, we're not making a big deal of it. We're not mentioning it all the time, but we did. You know, uh, you know, we we brought everything that's good about Ethiopia. We brought to Ethiopia, but you know, let's let's just all who's why you keep bringing this up, you know, and they're bringing it up all the time. Yeah, yeah, we don't want to make a big deal of it, but they're making a big deal of it all the time. Yeah, 
always constantly sort of saying, yeah, we brought good things, you know. Um, we brought, you know, we saved Ethiopia. Every time Ethiopia has needed saving, it was us. You know, we saved you all, but we're happy to forget about that, you know. We don't want to make a big deal about that. Yeah, but do, do, do be aware of it, that, you know. You, you should be grateful to us, but let's forget about that. <laughs> and they can say that for years, you know, keep and always just quietly and subtly reminding everybody else, the Amharans and the Oromos, we saved your asses, you know. But we're happy to, you know, we're happy just to put that aside, you know. We won't mention it again until we do next time. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, that sort of, um, that sort of kind of, we're better than you type of thing, if it exists, you know, which is what white people did to black people in history. White people have said, we are superior, you know. Do Tigrayans think they are superior? Do they? You know, if you're a Tigrayan, do you? You know, now, uh, you know, I'm not going to hear your answer, so just um, answer that to your, for yourself. Um, you know, yes, I know you all want to be equal. You know, you, ha- you want equality, you want... Yeah, everybody, one nation, Ethiopia, one nation. But do you, you know, do you, does everyone know that you know that you're better and that your people are higher, better, you know, saved Ethiopia's ass? Do you, do you know, do you make sure everyone's aware of that? And if you do, then you've pushed the Amharans into a single identity group and, and um, just in the same way that white people worldwide for a long time there, have been pushing black people together as a single identity group. That's why we've got, you know, black power, black unity, all this sort of stuff, you know. Um, yeah, that's white people's fault. And if Amharans are showing more unity than they used to even, is that not the fault of the Tigrans? You know, you should be careful what you wish for, you know. All right, um, that's it. Um, look, I interrupted myself then, but back to what I was talking about. And, you know, my information supplier, um, you know, just gave me a few clues. Uh, this just These are just texts, you know, on the fly, so they're not comprehensive. Um, it is the language, you know, which I presume means it is the language of the Amharans. So that must unite them. So, yes, all right, you... There is such a thing as Amharan-speaking people, um, which you know we would shorten to Amharans. That make them Amharans. You know, another way of saying Amharans is Amharan speakers, you know, which is many countries are like that. You know, it's, it's on what you speak. You know, Aryans, for example. You know. All right then. Um, but then um, there's just a little extra note there. Um, uh, but. That language was imposed by Mangustu. Oh, yeah, that's the Derg, I believe. And um, yeah, someone tried to force that language to be a lingua franca, you know, a um, an official language, you know, even though it was already a language. When, when she says imposed, I mean, I suppose it didn't have to be imposed in as much as it was already there. But you know, this becomes the official language. You know, he tries to force it. This guy, you'd have to read up on the Derg. Mengustu and all this sort of stuff. But there was a guy that came along and said, you know, um, 
I want everybody speaking Amharan, you know. And so, you know, anyone who doesn't speak Amharan, you know, is encouraged to speak Amharan. You're not going to get a job, you know. You might even get killed, you know. Um, so there's that. Um, and, um, and then there was a comment, which I can't see my phone anymore, uh, something to do with. And also she mentioned, you know, which is all good extra information. There are some areas that, you know, come under the category Amhara, which are becoming a little bit less Amharanish, you know, non-Amharanization of places that are called Amhara, you know, she's probably challenging whether they should be called Amhara anymore. Now, all this reminds me of Ireland, actually, you know, because, um, um, because Ireland had its own language, of course, um, but the English very much imposed English actually did impose. Look, it's not like the Irish because the Amharans were already speaking Amharan. So it wasn't a foreign language imposed upon the Amharans. They were already speaking it. I'm betting this Mengustu uh, was more, you know, saying, listen, you already speak Amharan and a few of you speak other things too, but most of you speak Amharans. And we're talking Amharan territory at the moment, Amharan speaking territory at the moment. And he said, um, I tell you what, it's going to actually be the official language of Ethiopia, and we'll make those that mob up north, the Tigrayans speak it too, and people down south and everywhere, you know, this will be the official language of Ethiopia, you know, I dare say that's what she's getting at, you know, it wasn't imposed per se, but these are texts on the fly, whilst we're doing other things, they're not supposed, the language is not supposed to be spot on, um, but I would dare say that, look, Ireland had this even stronger, um, uh, the English imposed the English language on the Irish, and um, and and then some Irish areas stayed a little bit non-English anyway. The Gaeltacht, as they call it. Okay, and yeah, they're fairly um, Irish-speaking again, still. All right, but but all in all, look, you can talk about fringe stuff, you know, despots every now and again in the long history of the Amharan-speaking area. There'd be the Mengustu, but there would have been 50 other Mengustus in history, you know, uh, being a bit of a bully boy. Um, you know, forcing this language, forcing that language, I'm sure. Um, you'd have this sprinkled all through history. It doesn't matter if there's a record or not. It happens all the time in the world. So, um, the fact that Mengustu um, pushed for Amharan to be an official language, which is what I'm assuming, um, and was even brutal about it, that's nothing new in the world, that's very common, you know, we're used to that, but it doesn't take away from the fact that um, the Amharan-speaking areas were, no, I'm sure, were they Amharan-speaking beforehand anyway, regardless of the actions of Mingus do, yeah, maybe he increased it slightly, but this is fringe stuff, you know, bits and pieces, um, yeah, maybe he increased Amharan-speaking by about 10%, maybe 5%, maybe 20%, it really doesn't matter, are we talking Amharans are united, essentially, and I'm talking the 1800s as well, and the 1700s, and the 1500s, and the 1400s. Are the Amharan-speaking people, is that a thing? Is there such a thing as Amharan-speaking people compared to Tigrayan-speaking people? And I would say there are, wouldn't there be? And so there were Amharan-speaking areas of Ethiopia, surely? in the 1700s and 1800s and 1500s and 1100s and 1400s. Where, where's the cutoff? Doesn't really matter where it is, but you know, the 1700s. Police car. Car in front of me. Slammed on the anchor. Nearly made me crash. 
Um, yeah, the point is, look, back in Tedros's time, now the question remains, um, what was the language of Gondar? You know, because that was my, that, that's a good example of a place which I think is in modern day Amharan territory, but I could be wrong. But what was the main language of a place like Gondar in Tedros's time? The Emperor Tedros. And if it was um, Amharan speaking area, yeah, with a few people speaking the other, I think most people are multilingual, are they? A lot of, um, most Tigrans can speak Amharan and vice versa and all that sort of stuff. But it's not what we're talking about. We're talking about what the predominant language is. Um, and is, was Gondar historically a Amharan, an Amharan speaking area? I have no idea what the answer to that is. I'll ask that question next. Um, because I'm trying to, I'm wondering whether Tedros was, you know, whether it's legitimate to describe Tedros as being from an Amharan speaking area. And if, or even further than that, whether he would have been an Amharan speaking person, in which case, um, would he identify, would he feel an affinity with, well, of course he would, with other people who were Amharan speaking. If you've got a whole set of, if you've got lots of different mobs all in the same area and they all speak the same language, well, they're all the same people on a language level and probably in other ways too because language is informed by culture and um, culture is informed by language. There's an interplay there. So was Tedros in an Amharan-speaking, a part of an Amharan-speaking sort of community? You know, because any, when you have people that all speak the same they are all part of the same culture on one level, language, which is probably the most important um, cultural, uh, you know, similarity that you can have. So we and Australians and Canadians, massively um, separated, uh, but we, you know, we belong to the same culture on one level. We are, Canada and Australia are very similar. We speak the same language and, um, and it doesn't matter that we're so, you know, you, you probably can't say there's no such thing as a common culture between Canadians and Australians. Well, there is. There's a language culture and, and also a historical culture similarity too. Um, and um, we both speak English, you know, that sort of thing. So Tedra, you know, Gondar, that's the next question I need to ask. Was Gondar, is Gondar... Um, within an Amharan-speaking part of Ethiopia, and I mean predominantly so. Actually, no, I won't. I won't check that. Now, I'm just going to guess that Gonda was Amharan-speaking before, predominantly, but it may not have been, and it doesn't matter for the purposes of this episode. This is not uh, an educational um episode on Ethiopia or anything like that. Um, whatever the answer is, if you know it, good on you. Um, hold that in your head, the answer, um, and let that inform how you react to the rest of this episode and how you react to what's gone on before as well. Uh, but as far as I'm concerned, I don't care. <laughs> um, I'm not trying to find answers, as I always say, with this episode. It's not an information episode. It's a chat episode. Uh, you come up with the answers in your own head. 
I don't mind what the answers are. I just want to ask questions and have fun with it. You know, eventually I'll find out. Eventually, but I'll let the universe bring that information to me when it's ready to bring that information to me. Whether Tedros was essentially an Amharan or not, you know, I suspect, I bet, he was an Amharan speaking. He was from the Amharan speaking community, which for me means he's Amharan on that level at least. Yeah, and he probably knew Tigrinya as well and a couple of other languages too. He probably know a bit, knew a bit of English. In fact, I bet, well, absolutely he knew a bit of English because I know some English people he had in his court and he used to communicate with them. Look, he knew lots of you, but predominantly, I bet you he was Amharan speaking, which makes him Amharan on a language level. At least he's Amharan on a language level at least and probably on a few other levels as well. Maybe even geographical a little bit and so on and so forth. Let's have the rest of the episode, which I pre-recorded. Tedros. Not the current uh, Director General of the World Health Organization, who is suddenly really famous because of coronavirus, but a Tedros way back in... Um, 18-something, 60s, something like that. Around about the time when my football team, Essendon, started that long ago. Um, And apparently Tedros is an Amharan. Or was an Amharan. Or was he? (laughs) Well, you know, if you think he was, then for you he was. And if you think he wasn't, then for you, he wasn't. Yeah. Um, uh, well, uh, now, I have been exposed to a few arguments Arguments either way. Um, now, I believe Amharan is a language. Uh, well, I'm certain that it is. Uh, certain as, as certain as I can be about anything in Ethiopia. Sometimes... Um, I know something for certain about Ethiopia, and then it changes. It's very tricky and fluky like that, Ethiopia. Um, For a long time, I thought all the emperors of Ethiopia, going back 3,000 years, were all from the, you know, basically from a tribe called the Tigrayans, essentially, you know. Um, And then I looked it up on Wikipedia, and only one emperor as far as, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly, is listed one emperor in the 3,000-year history of um, Ethiopia. Well, Ethiopia didn't even exist back then. Um, what's in a name? We're already getting lost. Um, Ethiopia hasn't been going for 3,000 years. Oh, yes, it has, you know. Yes, of course, it wasn't called Ethiopia, but we call it Ethiopia now, you know. So, you know, we say the first emperor of Ethiopia was Menelik I. But it just wasn't called Ethiopia back then. It was called other things. But we call call it Ethiopia now, you know. I say, oh, well, Tedra, well, there was no such thing as Amhara in 1870 or whatever, whenever Tedros was running around. Um... But, you know, can we call him Amhara anyway? Because, you know, you're allowed to call Menelik the first Ethiopian, so why can't I call Tedros the second 
Um, oh, he was an emperor, by the way. Um, Tetros II. A very exciting one, but I've already chatted about him about a year ago. Um, why can't uh, the father of Ethiopia, Tedros, why can't I call Tedros an Amharan? Um, in retrospect, you know, now, the, a reason for that apparently is because he came from Gondar, you know. But then that would be a reason to not refer to um, Menelik I as the first emperor of Ethiopia, you know, because there was no Ethiopia back then, and a lot of people would agree. But then, uh, what? who can claim Menelik I, you know? Well, that's tricky, suddenly. Um, what's in a name? Okay. Um, because there were a lot of Byzantine emperors, you know, from Byzantium, the Byzantine Empire, uh, but none of them lived in Byzantium, as far as they knew. They lived in Rome. They called it Rome, you know, the Eastern Roman Empire. And uh, these days, you know, we say, oh, there were all the Roman emperors, you know, up until the fall of the Western Roman Empire. And then, then we start listing all the Byzantine emperors. Yeah, but we call them Byzantine. We don't call them Roman anymore. But if you went back in time, yeah, you know, there was no place called Byzantium back then. It was called Rome. Right, right, th- right through its entire history for a thousand years. Um, from whatever it was, 470-something, through to, well, the end of the Eastern Roman Empire. But the point is, if you went back and said, oh, gee, you know, if you went back in time and went to Byzantium, uh, you'd, you know, you could walk around the streets of Constantinople, the capital of Byzantium, as everyone agrees these days, and uh, say, um, gee, it's good to be back in Byzantium. And they'd say, back in where? This is Rome, you idiot. This is not Byzantium. You can't call us... This is not Byzantium. Where's Byzantium? <laughs> and, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, all right. <laughs> it's Rome, sorry. Nice to be back in Rome. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, so Amhara. Um, it's um, elusive as to whether uh, Amhara... Whether there is such a thing as Amhara. Um, now, um, there would be people... You see, I haven't, I haven't actually moved in one direction or the other. You know, you may be one, a person... So far in this episode, I have not moved in one direction or another. Um, if, you're, if, if you subscribe to the idea that there is no such thing as an Am- Amhara, and you can't call yourself an Amharan, there is no such thing as an Amharan, then so far this episode would not be offending you... Uh, you are most likely in furious agreement with pretty much what I've been saying so far in this episode because there's enough in what I've been saying to support your argument that there is no such thing as an Amhara, as a, as a um, cultural group called the Amharans, you know, um, as an identity group called the Amharans, as a place called Amhara. As a, is there a state called Amhara? I can't remember. Um, actually, I might Google that in a second and then come back to this episode. Um, whether there is a state called Amhara, and you may be one of those people who say that that state should not be called Amhara. There's no such thing as Amhara. Yeah. Um, or not. Now, you may be a person who's saying, no, no, definitely Amhara is a cultural group, it's an identity, it's real. 
um, and um, you know, just like you know, Ned Kelly was is called an Australian bush ranger, for example, um, even though he died before Australia, the nation, uh, actually uh, came into existence. You know, you could say, well, you know, Tedros, the emperor, who I mentioned before, was an Amharan, even though, the you know, the cultural group Amharans hadn't been declared yet. Uh, but, you know, the, you know, you may be one of those people that subscribe to the idea that Amharan is a collective term. You know, something like this. I'm, I'm not actually an expert on what's Amharan and what's not, and what is, you know, what is some other tribe and what is not. You know, I, I, I am aware of some of the tribal names. There's the Oromos, the Somalis of Ethiopia, the um, Tigrayans up north, and um, and these Amharas in, are Amharans in the middle. You know, um, but you may be one of these people who subscribe to the idea that uh, an Amharan is a collective term to describe a group of sub-category people. Now, the only one that's jumping into my head is the people of Gondar and the people of around Addis Ababa. You know, those two areas appear to be in um, Amharan territory, but there'd be a lot of places in there. There'd be a lot of subgroups in what today is called Amharan. I was listening back to myself speaking that just now and a bell went off in my head uh, that alerted me to uh, something that my information supplier told me and I think I'm right in saying this that Addis Ababa is actually in Aromia not in Amhara state uh, okay you know, doesn't matter. Switch the example. You know, Gondar and somewhere else. You know, Gondar and Ombar. <laughs> I'll just make that place up. There's another place in Amhara State called Ombar. You know, there's Gondar and Ombar. The actual examples don't matter. You know, you pick your own towns. Uh, but Addis Ababa might be in Aromia, and I'm, you know, for the sake of the argument that I'm having right now, you know, I've included it as an Amhara place, you know. Um, just in your own heads, when I say Addis Ababa, I think about somewhere else, now, but, which doesn't matter. But then, you know, I start to think, but hey, wait a minute, I'm only talking politically there, you know, the political boundaries of Ethiopia, you know, I've gone way past that. Um, is Addis Ababa, in language terms, actually, in, in an Amharan speaking area, how far now you'd have Amhara, and I hope there's a state called a political state called Amhara. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there is, but even, even if there isn't, there's a language spread in Ethiopia that is Amharan speaking, and that wouldn't align perfectly with the Amharan speaking uh, Amhara state. Yeah, if Amhara state exists. You know, so um, Amhara in political terms, you could draw that on a map. 
But Amhara, in language terms, would would be a different shape, you know, a different boundary, a different region in Ethiopia. Uh, my bet, and I don't even know if it's true or not, my bet is that Amhara, the geographical language area, might be bigger than Amhara, the political uh, area. Yeah. And, um, and my bet is that Tigray, the politically marked out area, um, might be bigger than Tigray, the language speaking area. Uh, and that would be proved true if there are any any sort of villages or towns or regions within Tigray that don't speak Tigrinya yeah, as their predominant language. Are there areas within Tigray region um, that are not dominantly Tigray speaking? And if that's the case, then Tigray, the language area, is smaller than Tigray, the political state. Now, that, yeah, that's just my bet. It's only a bet. Now, as far as um, Amhara goes, there's two Amharas. There's Amhara, the political state, and I bet that Amhara, the language area, is bigger than Amhara, the political state. You know, when you say Amhara, you know, are you talking political Amhara or language speaking Amhara? You know, there's those sorts of things. I like to keep these things loosey goosey so we don't get too rigid in our thinking. I like to keep things loose. A lot of people want to lock down truth. They want to clarify things in their minds. They want to figure things out. You know, they want to get some structure going. They want to understand a place like Ethiopia or Australia or anywhere else, you know. There's a lot of people that are trying to get it, get everything defined and worked out. They want to work out. They want to comprehend. They want to learn. You know, they meet someone who's an expert on Ethiopia and they say, come on, please, educate me, teach me. I want to know all about Ethiopia and I want to have a strong idea of what is what in Ethiopia. Whereas I'm the opposite. I say, I want to, I want to maintain a very loose, um, even chaotic idea of what Ethiopia is because that's most likely to be more reflective of the the real Ethiopia than a, a very um, um, a very dogmatic idea of what's what in Ethiopia. Yeah, you know, there would be people saying, "Listen, sit down. I'm going to now speak for an hour, and I'll tell you what's what about Ethiopia. And here are the facts, right? Um, boom, boom. You know, and they just say now." All the emperors of old were Aksumites, you know, and um, there was a nice regular progression of emperors uh, up until Christian times, and, you know, those were all in Tigray region, you know. And, and then they go on like that, and they, they just lay out a whole history of Ethiopia, um, which almost certainly has no basis in reality. Almost certainly, you know. There would have been long whacks of time where when, when Ethiopia was just had nothing like a um, 
a, uh, a well-defined emperor. Uh, we know that even before Tedros, um, there was a thing called the Age of Princes. It was just an absolutely chaotic period. And you weren't quite sure who was the emperor and who wasn't. It was all in a state of flux at all times. Warlords, you know, crisscrossing the nation, trying to knock each other off, roving armies. Who's the emperor? I'm the emperor. No, I am, you know, and all that sort of stuff. There was one emperor, um, some Britisher or something, visited Ethiopia in the Age of Princes. You know, this is before Tedros kind of pulled it all together a little bit. Um, And he said, I've met the emperor, or someone who claims he's the emperor, but he's kind of, like, not even very rich. I'd, I'd call him sort of halfway to poor, really. And he's he's just an ordinary sort of person. He doesn't seem like much of an emperor. You know, and, and he was talking like that. Um, you know, and... Um, but when you read Wikipedia, and this is the danger, you know, you see this great, you know, Solomonic... You know, from King Solomon onwards, um, line of emperors, and if you read all their names, you're just imagining all these blokes on um, golden thrones, you know, with a lion on each side of them and a crown and all that sort of stuff, you know. Whereas when this Britisher met this um, emperor before the time of Tedros, he said he was just kind of hanging in the village. He was just in some village, and. Um, Look, yeah, all right, he wasn't the poorest bloke in the village, but he was pretty... There were richer people, lots of richer people in the village. He was just... He was fairly ordinary, you know, which is very strange. Um, but, you know, Tedros came along after that and um, and, and, and got the glory, you know, got the feel of the glory going again. You know, Tedros was good at that. Um, yeah, I can't remember why I even brought all that up. Um, there was a reason I said that. Oh, yes... I remember what that reason is, but I can't be bothered saying it again. Okay, on with whatever I was talking about. Look, all in all, you've got your choice. Um, you know, because this episode is going to be called Amhara, um, does Hamhara, you know, in the same way that I asked... Are you allowed to say the famous emperors? Are you allowed to talk about the famous emperors of Ethiopia? You know, which would include emperors who came from all parts of modern Ethiopia. And I'm talking, you know, ancient, you know, way back when. Are you allowed to discuss those guys, you know? And if you are, then there's a, a sort of a, a region within Ethiopia, which has got sub-regions within it, um, that is called Amhara today. I have to Google that just to make sure. I'm pretty sure that's true. Um, there is a you know a, a whole region called um, Amhara, and are you allowed to um, even talk about the great emperors of Amhara? Some of which are emperors of Ethiopia, and some of which, of course, are not. Now I happen to know that Johannes is not from that group, you know. So the great emperors of uh, Amhara, are you allowed to discuss those guys? Um, Well, it's your choice. You can be at a table, out to dinner with your mates, with your mates, and say, no, you're not allowed to. And, you know, your mates will say, I'm going to anyway. And then you're stuck, you know, because 
and you don't have to agree. You know, I like a dinner where, where, people, where, you, where there's no truth to get to. You, know, you don't have to get to the bottom of a truth because there is no truth to get to the bottom of. Um, it's almost like a democracy. If you get enough people um, thinking it's legitimate to refer to you know, the component parts of what we call modern Amhara as a grouping, if, if, if you get enough people, you know, then it's, you know, amongst that group of people, they can discuss Amhara as if it exists. Okay. And the same goes with the Greeks, you know, they can actually claim Alexander and all that sort of stuff. I mean, the funny thing is, you know, there's the modern Macedonians, you know, the, you know, the federal former Yugoslavic Republic of Macedonia, which is, you know, nation-state-wise a different thing, because you can slice up identity groups and cultural groups different ways, you see. They claim Alexander too, and so they can. Yeah, because he came from that region. Yeah, so they've got a claim on him. But so have the Greeks. They're both claiming him. That's why they fight, you know. And there's politics that comes up into it then. Yeah, because uh, Greeks in general, and I'm, I'm connected to the Greeks, you know, because I'm married to them. Um, the Greeks don't really care all that much about, you know, the mostly Slavic peoples of modern Macedonia claiming Alexander per se. They don't really care about that. Put, put up your bloody statues, whatever, you know. Delude yourself, they might say. But the Macedonians say, no, we won't delude ourselves. You know, because there'd be Alexander DNA in our bodies, surely, you know. And, you know, the Greeks say, yeah, but he spoke Greek. And and the Slavs would say, yeah, but he came from here, you know. They both end up with a claim, but it becomes political in the end. But that's a separate question. That's a separate question. You know, you almost have to compartmentalise the two things. One is, you know, are you allowed to collect a whole lot of different small groups and collectively notice something similar about them, like the Amharans, they all speak Amharan, you know, predominantly, and call all those groups Amharans. Are you allowed to do that? And, you know, geographically, they even might be in the same sort of region. Can you call those Amharans, you know, and they are Amharans today and have been for all time. You know, as long as they were speaking Amharan back in history, it's a nice collective term, you know. Now, there's that one, that's one argument, you know, just the legitimacy of it, of being able to call those people Amharans logically, you know, uh, not politically, logically, you know, and can you call, can you refer to this thing uh, called ancient Greece that people refer to, or is that just totally illegitimate, you know? So you can raise that argument, um, and, 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 and that's the argument from before in this episode that I hope you never solve. It's nice having people on a dinner table where they disagree at the start of dinner and they disagree at the end of dinner and they can all go home and disagree, which is fine. If they're good at the art of the dialectic, then that's fine. They won't kill each other. They can just disagree. And, you know, that, that person can say, well, I think this and this and this, and that person can say, I think that and that and that. And, you know, amongst um, civilised, um, rational, logical uh, dinner table sort of um, camaraderie groups, um, that's fine. You know, you're not going to rise up and kill each other. Okay, so that's the basic question of the legitimacy of terms like Amhara, and can you say Tedros was Amharan, you know, for example, the emperor, you know, and to, you know, because he was from Gondar, but Gondar's in Amhara, which is in Ethiopia, you know, so logically for me, forget the politics of it which I'm going to get to now, um, uh, t- 
I would say Tedros can be listed as an emperor of Gondar, and he can be listed as an emperor of Amhara, you know, because that's Gondar is part of Amhara, yeah, and he can be listed as um, an emperor of Ethiopia because you know Amhara and Gondar are within Ethiopia. And you can say, look, if you had a Wikipedia page on great emperors of the world, Ethiopia is part of the world, and it's legitimate to say he was an emperor of this world. Okay, and then you can, if you're a child, you can say, and of this universe. Now, that, that's silly, and that's the way kids think, and it's funny, but, it, but it's actually true, you know. You can't stop people categorising, bundling groups together into higher groups, you know. Um, you know, you get a little kid, you know. Um, you know, when, Edro, when Tedros was a little kid, did he write a letter saying, most kids do this, you know, oh, my name is Tedros, uh, you know, um, and you have to put your address at the top, Tedros, you know, uh, such and such, you know, for High Street Gondar, you know. Um, well, he wouldn't have said Amhara back then, he wouldn't have said Ethiopia, Oh my goodness, you know, he would have just gone straight to Gondar. Yeah, he would have stopped at Gondar. But these days, no, see, he wouldn't, you know. But he'd say world universe. So he was categorising, you know. Um, uh, see, now, the person who's arguing that you're not allowed to say Tedros was an Ethiopian, because there is some person on the table saying that, and you're not allowed to say that he's an Amharan, you know, because if, if, you, if you can say he's a, an Ethiopian, you can say he's an Amharan, but if you can't say he's an Ethiopian... Oh, well, you know what I'm getting at. Anyway, um, it, it, it's up to the people on the table to decide whether you're allowed to bundle people together who have similar characteristics logically without killing each other. But there comes a point when you can start killing each other. And that is when people are using that information. Now, there's nothing logically wrong with calling Tedros and Amharan. However, now I'm going to jump back on, you know, I'm going to actually make the person, that you know, the person who said you can't call Tedros and Amharan, I'm going to make that person feel good too. Now, you know, I'm on that person's, you know, sort of side of the table now. I'm going to say, well, yes, but what if in allowing uh, groups to call Tedros, you know, the, 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 the wider category of Amharan-speaking peoples, in the modern geographical area of Amhara, what if we allow them as a group to um, call Tedros an Amharan emperor? And I'll say, well, logically they can. You can't stop them. You know, and there's nothing wrong with that logically. It makes sense. And you might say, yes, but it could have political ramifications. Aha! Uh -huh. And that's where I'd say, well, you know what? I'm going to go and walk on your side of the table now because you've got a very good point there. Now, it doesn't take away from the logic of the fact that he was logically an Amharan um, emperor. He just was. If you define Amharan as the group of, you know, all, the, all those places in the middle of Ethiopia that um, speak Amharan, you know, and are geographically in that area, you know. Um, but I can... I have more sympathy for you I could not have in trying to um, in trying to outlaw those people, uh, those various peoples, from binding together as one identity group. More sympathy for you I could not have because you've just read the political winds, haven't you? And you are saying that could have a pretty bad outcome 
you know, that could lead to war and all sorts of things and identity politics and all that sort of thing. And, and then, you know, you're my friend now and you say, yes, that's what I'm getting at. And I say, well, it's not the only thing you're getting at. You were saying that you can't call Tedros um, a, an emperor of Amhara on logical grounds. What you're actually saying now is you can't call Tedros an emperor. I don't want you to call Tedros. See, it's the difference. Now you're saying I don't want you to call Tedros an Amharan on political grounds because I think it's dangerous. That's a very different thing than saying that you can't on logical grounds because you can. You just define Amharans as all the Amharan speaking groups and then it's done. You know, you can't stop that logically. You are onto a new conversation here. You are saying I don't want you to... Everyone on this table, I don't want you to um, define Amhara, uh, Amhara as what you're defining it to be. I don't want you to, you know. And that's different than saying you can't, it, you know. They, and it's, it's good not to mix the two things up, I think, you know. And this, this reminds me of Macedonia, modern Macedonia, you know. Um, the Greeks might say, oh, let them be idiots. And, you know, if they want to claim Alexander, let them, we know he's Greek, you know. Um, if there wasn't anything political in it, Greeks would probably go, idiots, they're claiming Alexander, why don't the Eskimos as well? You know what I mean? That's the way Greeks think logically, and I happen to know this, you know. Now look, Macedonian, you know, uh, you know uh, former Yugoslav Republic of Macedonians, um, I do think they have a more legitimate claim on Alexander than that. You know, they, they claim a geographical one, for example. But the Greeks, you know, they say, oh, if they want to be idiots and claim Alexander, then, you know, what, let the Australian Aborigines too. It's no skin off our nose. Who cares? Logically, you know, because the Greeks invented logic, you know. Um, so, you know, and formal logic. And that's what the Greeks would say, probably, at a guess. However, uh, what the Macedonians want to do, um, by the look of it, is use the fact that they have claimed Alexander to land grab bits of, you know, modern Greece, you know, territorial claims, you know, because there's a, a part in, there's a portion of northern Greece that's in modern Hellenic Republic, you know, um, that is called Macedonian Greece, you know, uh, uh, Greece, Greek Macedonia, you know, um, there's part of, there's the federal state, of, there's the state of Macedonia, former Yugoslav Republic, mostly Slavs, but then there's, um, then there's a, a state within Greece called Macedonia as well. See? And, you know, the Greeks say, yeah, all right, but hang on, it's dangerous to let them claim Alexander. Now, that's a different story. It's quite logical, you know, for them to raise an argument that Alexander belongs to Macedonia, modern Macedonia, the state, you know, F-Y-O-R-M, F-Y-R-O-M, you know, former Yugoslav Republic of, um, there's a difference between saying you can't say that Alexander um, is yours, you know, and I don't want you to say Alexander is yours. And I think that might be where it comes down to. Um, the Greeks know, I think the Greeks know that saying to someone from the, you know, the F-Y-R-O-M, former Yugoslav Republic, 
They can't say that you can't claim... No one can stop anyone. You can't say that you can't claim uh, Alexander as a Macedonian in your terms. Um, What we can say is we don't want you to. And another thing we can do is try and force you not to. Maybe we'll have a war with you. Same goes for Amhara, I think. The modern, you know, someone in modern Ethiopia might say... Um, you can't say Tedros is an Amharan to somebody else in Ethiopia, you know? And then that person says, Tedros was an Ethiopian. Tedros was an Amharan. And then that person will say, I said you can't say that. He said, yes, I know, but I just did. So I'm going to say it again. Tedros was an Amharan. No, but you can't. See, see the problem there? What the first person should be saying is, I don't want you to. You know, I think it's illegitimate. And then the other person can say illegitimate on what grounds, you know. And, and that person might say logical grounds, you know. It doesn't make sense. And then the, you know, the uh, person from Am- modern Amhara says, no, I can defeat you on that. Logically, I can call him an Amharan. I, I can call Tedros an Amharan because it's all in the definition of the word Amhara. You know, if I define it a certain way, then Tedros was an Amharan. That's logical. It makes sense. You can't argue against me on that. And the other person says, "Yes, I can." And then you know, the first person says, and the, you know, "And the first person says, no, you can't." And the first person will be wrong. You know, the Amharan will be uh, sorry. The, the Amharan will be right, and the person saying that you can't call Tedros an Amharan is wrong. But what the person who is is actually saying, the person who's grumpy about that Amharan calling Tedros an Amharan, um, what the first person who you know who happens to let's say look from Tigray, you know, is saying, I don't want you to, because it will have political ramifications. You know, and with that, I'm at work, and I'll finish the episode, and it was a nice long one, and I talked about the same things all the way throughout, but there's little gems of wisdom in there, and in the end, I don't think I came up with an answer either way, which for me makes it the perfect episode on Amhara. And that's it.